Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, this is known for the Filmography Podcast. You're listening to me, Becca Chapman, and my co-host. Hey, this is Bob Shoy. This episode, we're talking about Natalie Portman. We are. She was good, wasn't she? This is my choice. Yeah. So I chose Natalie Portman Mm -hmm. because she's a bit of an odd one. I don't... I don't think people would consider her as being like, oh, she's a great. She's like an all-time great. Mm. But then when you look at her back catalogue of films, you're like, oh, she's actually done some absolute stonkers. Mm-hmm. But then she's also, I feel like a couple of times, like kind of missed the mark a little bit, like standout roles. We'll get to Star Wars. Um. I, I think you can tell when her heart's not in it is what yeah. it is. I think it's very obvious when her heart's not in it because she's been in some films that are okay, but her performance is amazing. Yeah. She's also been in some films that are amazing, but her performance is not. Yeah. And or everywhere in between. So it's just like, if she's feeling it, she's like, I love it. Natalie Portman yeah. like, as an actress. I right. think she's amazing. Okay, good. Um, But there are some times where I'm just like, you're right. Like you can flat. just tell... She's not 100% invested in the role and she can't fake it. And that's fine. You know, Natalie, if you're listening to this, we love you. And She wears a heart on a sleeve. I, I feel like, like I would be the same. If yeah. I ever got into the world of acting, I feel like I would go into some of these roles like really enthusiastic and not be able to show my unenthusiasm. Um, if because that's me. Good, well, stuff always happens, doesn't it, with films mm. like... Something puts you off, shit hits the fan, like you just know it's not going to be as you first envisaged or something's going to let it down. There's a spanner in the work somewhere. Like that always happens. That's life. Like some jobs are just she. Looking into some of these roles this afternoon, I was like understanding like some of them where I'm like, oh, she's a bit like not her best in this. And then I'd look at the background of the film and be like, I get it. I get why. Right. Yeah, yeah. So There's I reasons. guess I guess we'll go through it. But I don't want to get off the wrong foot here because Natalie Portman is amazing. Yes. Um, but, and we'll get into that a bit more. Just a little bit about her then. So she's born in Jerusalem, Israel. Yeah. I think that's, people kind of miss that as well, I think. Like they don't. It's one of the things where... It's like um, widely known, but then it's It's widely not. known, but I don't feel it's 100% common knowledge. And then when you know it, you're like, oh, of course, actually. Mm. Um, yeah. Because she has like a, a Middle Eastern look about her once you realise yeah. it. Like when you realise, you're like, oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so she was born at Netta Lee Hirschlag, mm-hmm. Natalie Portman. She was born to an Israeli dad. He's a doctor. He's a gynecologist, I think. And an American mum. Mm-hmm. Um, she eventually went to Harvard University, cool. so very prestigious. 
Uh, she was discovered by an agent in a pizza parlor at age 11. Pizza parlor. Uh, he was interested in her doing some modeling. She was more keen on acting. Mm-hmm. And she was cast in her first role at that age. So she quickly got into acting. Wow. Um, which is Leon. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. She currently has two kids. She's married to a French choreographer and dancer. They met on uh, whilst filming Black Swan. Cool. Yeah. She speaks Hebrew, obviously. She's born in Israel. And she always strives to be a positive role model for young girls. So we'll come across this a few times. She's quite, uh, she's not 100% keen on doing like nude scenes, things mm. like that. If it's on, if she finds it unnecessary mm. because it's like, you know, she wants to be a role model, stand up for what you believe in, blah, blah, blah. That's mm. So good on you. Um, anything you noticed about the, we always talk about things we've noticed about the type of roles she plays or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Anything you've noticed? Um, like you mentioned that she doesn't appear, she doesn't like to do like nude scenes. Um, I've noticed that she undertakes a lot of films where there is potential for her to be nude and they kind of like skirt around it. Yes. Um, which now I know, like having known that in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like she's not nude in this scene. It's like really, it's not weird. It's just like. I make note of it. Well, you know what? But I think if you didn't know that, if you didn't, if you don't need, didn't know she was actively avoiding it, you'd be like none the wiser. Well, it's weird because it, that says a lot about the way um, actresses are treated in yeah. film. Because we saw that she fairly fairly early on. We saw the like the thing about like oh she's not keen on doing like nude scenes. Yeah. So now we've noticed it, and every time there's sort of like a semi nude scene, we're like oh, and it stands out more. Yeah. The fact that she doesn't. In the way that you're like, oh, it's just presumed that women will do nude scenes yeah. and be naked on screen and totally. stuff. So it's really interesting. Her like stand against it mm. has sort of spotlighted it more because you're noticing. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Intentionality it's behind so it. It's so bizarre watching. Like, I, yeah, the phenomenon of that is weird. Yeah, a couple of things. I've only got two notes. It's kind of hard to pin down. Like, sometimes we do these actors, actresses, and it's like, oh, well, they do this all the time, or they do that with her. It, she really has a, a very wide range of yeah, sort of super type varied. of characters she's done. But we did see, not like a super pattern, but like, she likes to do very, um, like, prestigious and interesting and, like, kind of credible for want of a better word roles and then she kind of does like a bit more like silly throwaway like trashy movie roles. that's true i haven't got that written down here she really does flip-flop between like i'm gonna do some oscar bait or like you know critic bait real hard-hitting stuff and then like uh, just a silly rom-com like you know brush the cobwebs off yeah and then like oh what am i doing i want to do something more serious and then it really is back and forth between those two things yeah but i like why wouldn't you like if you could pick and choose just do whatever the heck you want i mean as a a, a film lover i am not i don't like to think of myself as a snobby film fan Mm. i know some of my friends think i am my, my, I, think a lot my, I think a lot of my friends think I just watch like avant-garde cinema and the truth is like I love Marvel movies and stuff as well we like just I just do, love all sorts of films we do the same as Natalie Portman we flip exactly yeah between avant-garde cinema and like trashy rom-com you know of course like, I want to watch some movie. cool art house like German film but then I also want to watch like Iron Man shooting things like I mm. that's a different type of cinema and it's just as fun we to me we did a whole Arnold Schwarzenegger episode exactly um, so the only two notes I've got Sorry, about the type of roles that she plays is as a young actress, and she did start very young. She's one of the few child actors that went on to be a credible actor Make as an it. adult. Yeah. But as a young actress, she was sort of typecasting these precocious kids. 
yeah. is sort of like above their years. Do we kids. like no Leon? I feel like we're verging on chatting about Leon. Well, we'll get like, to it's it in, it is in the top four, yeah. So yeah, I feel like as a young actress, she plays a lot of like precocious kids above the years. Mm. Uh, the only other note I've got here is something that when I'm watching now, I'm like, of course, this is like every film. But if you'd asked me before, I'd be like, does she? Loads of accents. Mm, yeah. Loads of accents. Yeah, really good. When you think of like... And like also like super believable. Yeah, not that bad. I mean, sometimes she's kind of panned for her accents, but I don't think any of them are that bad. Like, mm. there's way worse. Yeah. Um, she does accents in, you know, the, the other Berlin girl, Blueberry Nights, um, Jackie. Yeah. Like, kind of really extreme could be like caricature accents, but yeah. kind of, I think most of the time she pulls it off. Mm. Uh, v for Vendetta. Like a lot of English accents. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. What? So we always start off with going through what their top four known for films currently are on IMDb. Yeah. The films that IMDb tells us this person should be known for. And what are they for her? So currently, she's got Black Swan. Right. V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Leon. Yep. And Closer. So straight away, four very well-known, noticeable movies. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, any actor that had those four, you'd be like, whoa, that's a pedigree. Mm. And we're not even getting into some of the other roles she's done. So straight away, anyone questioning, like, Natalie Portman, like, well, she's done more than you think. Yeah. So I'd seen three out of the four of those before we started this endeavor. Yeah, I'd never seen Closer. Yeah, me neither. Uh, But Um, we'll get into that. We'll talk about them in order. Yeah. I guess. So what was the first one? Black Swan. Okay, so... We didn't re-watch this one. No, we re-watched some of these, um, and ones we hadn't seen, obviously, we watched. But no, we didn't re-watch Black Swan. Um, I saw it a little while ago, but I just remember it being extremely... Intense? Like, yeah, like visceral, like mm. kind of intense, and um, just like stressful to watch. Like it's kind <laughs> of an assault on your senses. Yeah, in other words, it's a Darren Aronofsky film. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was incredible. Yes. Um, and like just really moving, mm-hmm. like super emotional um, to watch. It was really powerful. Powerful, yeah. That that that's a good word to describe it. We, I always, um, so I always bef- before we record, like sort of in the middle of us watching these films, I put a shout out on Twitter every time and say, "What are your favourite films?" or "What ones do you recommend?" and blah blah. And uh, I thought more people would come out for this one because this is sort of like her Oscar-winning performance film. Yeah. This is what she won her Oscar for. She's been nominated three times. Mm. This is the one win. Um, so the only there was only one person that went out on Black Swan of mm. like, I love this film. And that was the Mark Knight. He's uh, commented quite a few times. Thanks, But Mark. he described this film as perfection. Whoa. And you know what? I sort of agree. I think this is like a perfect film. Yeah. There's no fat on it. It's not long like a lot of these epic films it's like an hour 40 if that it's like rip the band-aid off and watch this yeah and it's interesting that such a bizarre film has such like like prestigious um yeah sort of like adulation it's because it's so niche like and everybody i think before this like everybody knew i've never done ballet i don't know anything about it but Mm. i did know that it was very cutthroat industry and like very stressful and after this it just seems like sheds light on the whole i mean it came out in 2010 i think kind of like wow i'm old it came out in 2010 (laughs) just like the emotional state and the physical state that she's in and 
the mental like, state. Like a yeah. lot of this is like, you know, all in our head. That is the whole yeah. thing of it. It's delusions and yeah. And that's why I think it's like so powerful. And I think a lot of that side of ballet and not not really just ballet, just any like professional, I want to say sport, but it's not really a sport. Do you, you know what I mean? Like any profes- professional like physical activities yeah, has a any massive physical mental, passion, let's say. Has, yeah, like has a massive mental impact on your life. Mm. Um, and I think this just highlighted it in exactly the right way to make it very, very poignant and like visceral. Was she sort of pitted against uh, Mia Kunis's character in yeah. this? And um, Aronofsky, that he tried to like pit them against each other for a like, real on the set. Right. Uh, he was like texting them at the end of each day, saying, "You know, such and such said this about your performance today." Blah blah blah. And really, get even though it wasn't true, just trying to like get them uneasy against each yeah, other to yeah. get that feeling on set. Uh, he wasn't letting them spend time together when they weren't recording together and stuff, filming yeah. together. But this this tact completely failed. Uh-huh. Because he didn't realise they were actually very good friends before they even signed this film. Uh-huh. So they were just talking to each other like after work and being like, yeah, did he send in text? Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, they, you know, they both put in like a, a great performance. It doesn't anyway, show so it though, because their rivalry yeah. is just like brooding the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. What's she doing here? He made me your alternate. Because just in case... But she trained as a dancer for a year, mm. uh, just preparing for this role. And um, this was before the film was even financed. It was still looking for investors, but she was so sort of set on this film happening yeah. that she sort of out of her own pocket paid for all these classes and mm-hmm. and and tutorship and stuff and was really like keen on doing this mm. um so she did that for a year out of her own pocket before you know before getting financed she, I imagine yeah. she got it like reimbursed or whatever but for all this like director darren aronofsky like really praised her dedication said you know without without her dedication and her commitment and stuff this film probably wouldn't happen mm. so um you know he was really praising her passion mm. for this and it really like egged him on to get it going as well yeah um she also had some vocal coaching for this because something we didn't point out at the beginning that she has quite a light almost like a childlike voice right yeah and she wanted to be taken more seriously in this so she had sort of like vocal coaching to speak in a less sort of like childlike register uh-huh. to have a bit more like weight to be more taken more seriously i guess yeah um we said she started lying alongside mia kunis yeah that was her suggestion um obviously they knew each other beforehand like i already said so you know she spoke to darren aronofsky said you know i think mia would be great for this mm. explained like put a case in for him he had a conversation with mia kunis over skype she didn't even audition he was just like yep yeah, cool wow the cast so really like trusting Portman's input Judgment, on this because yeah. they had been sort of working together already. Mm. Um, like we said at the beginning, she like nude scenes. 
Um, she wasn't. This has some nude scenes. This has some very uh, sort of explicit sexual scenes in it. Mm. Um, she wasn't comfortable with them, but thought they were important to the plot and the storyline and everything. Yeah. So she did them. But afterwards, there was some sort of conflict with her because, you know, screenshots of them. She said she would see them appear on like porn sites and things like that, mm. like taking out of context. And that really bugged her. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like, I feel, I feel like from what I read about it, she seemed really conflicted, like. It was important kind of, to include them. Yeah, yeah, like kind of regretful, but not like, oh, I, I wanted to do them because I thought they were important to the thing. But I just hate that they've been taken out of context yeah. like this. But still, I feel like they should be in the film. But I kind of wish I didn't do them. But mm. and going back and forth, like really conflicted by the sort of sexual scenes in this film. Yeah, although that kind of side of like humanity and just the internet in general is like, like I don't know. It's, it's a, sh- it's a shame that she had that in her in the back of her mind when she was considering like I suppose she from then on as well yeah exactly um, like has it in the back of her mind considering just the fact that there's this like horrible underbelly of human existence called the internet it's always going to happen there's everything on the internet everything everything gets taken out of context and plastered up and stuff so I don't know I don't think that should inhibit you from making something wonderful I mean I've had things I've said on podcasts taken out of context and that's way on a smaller scale than like oscar winning black swan yeah so of course everything is taken out of context in the internet um but yeah black swan i can see how it's infuriating but yeah i loved it i love this film i think it's fantastic and i think it's well worthy of her oscar win must watch for yes. Natalie Portman. This is like, yeah, you got, even even if you don't like it, you got to watch it. And I love that such a weird film, like I said, got such success. Accolades. Yeah, yeah. accolades. Because I know people who watch this, where this is really not their kind of thing, but like just based on the notoriety of it. Like, oh yeah, I watched that Black Swan. Yeah. And some of them hated it and some of them loved it. I think even if you did hate it, you can't deny that how like fun, like, fantastic and brilliant it is well Jibs's dad rented it when it came out yeah my friend's dad and i was like he's the last person who'd like watching this but he was just like, oh it's that big famous film right now and you know the bit where like she starts plucking feathers out of her own skin and her imagination and stuff he was like oh god you know, like, yeah but that's what out, makes it so powerful out. it's like shock yeah. like manifesting things in your own mind because you're going like insane because of the pressure of this yeah like it's um it's that, that's a classic Aronofsky trick as well, like suddenly shock you with some very visceral imagery to like, yeah. whoa, way to wake you up. Yeah. Um, I know he's a sort of love or hate director, but yeah. A it's, powerful film. Yes. But, um personally I love and I think um even if you hate it, you can't deny its brilliance. Yeah, I mean some people I can appreciate as well. Like this one of them films where um actually again, this is the same with a lot of Aronofsky films, like You'll watch it, and regardless of whether you loved or hated it, some part of you never wants to watch it again. Yeah. Um, the classic for that is Requiem for a Dream, which I think is an amazing film yeah. by him. I never want to watch that film again. <laughs> never. Mm. I sometimes have flashbacks to watching that film. It's like flashbacks to a war. <laughs> you just, yeah, you've seen it. I've experienced and, it, yeah. and it was almost too powerful. I never need to see it again. And on that note, let's move on to... V for Vendetta, yeah, which is the second in her known for IMDb top four. Yeah, 
Um, we rewatched this. Yes, so um, you, you had seen this before. I had, but not for a long time. Um, and I'm glad I did rewatch it because I think I not I didn't remember it wrong, but I think I just like it brought a lot of more things to light that I'd sort of forgotten with it. Just like the fact that she. In my mind, I don't know why I remembered it like she didn't want to be there and she was like imprisoned, but actually when well, you watch it, she she's is, kind but of, then she's sort of bullied into coming around, yeah. Well, it's all like, it's kind of like very um, psychological again, isn't it? It's kind of like she, he, he like comes to terms with it, everything that's happening. Mm. Um, anyway, in short, um, basically the United Kingdom is in lockdown very much yeah, like we are now. Yeah, it's 2020. Um <laughs> But yeah, um, so it was weird to watch it like, now with what's going yeah, on in the world it really now. Was. It was like, oh, police state, twenty twenty, tyrannical leader, you know, standing up against the government. Yeah, hello, <laughs> making you like think about what's happening. The media's corrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, and it's interesting. I don't. I think this is the first time I've watched it since the rise of Anonymous, who took this mindset like the and the imagery yeah. of it. Um, so it was interesting watching it. Since. Since that, because I saw it at the cinema when it came out, mm. um, not knowing what it was. I went with a friend who wanted to see it. And I, I saw was it very... I kind th- of blown away. Yeah, I saw it very soon after it came out for like the first time. I don't think I've seen it I think since we watched it. This we is really the it. third time I watched it because I watched it then when Blu-ray was a new thing. I watched it on Blu-ray. I borrowed it from a friend on Blu-ray to check my Blu-ray player out. That was probably the last time I watched it. So, mm. yeah, it's been a while since I watched it as well. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of hubbub in this film. The fact that she shaved her head for it. I remember yeah. that. Um, that was like weirdly the most disturbing thing that people could think <laughs> yeah, of at the time. It's a like, woman Whoa, shaved her head. She shaved her head. Not that it's like a fascist, like tyrannical state. Yeah. <laughs> she was actually well excited to shave her head for this. She was like, I've always wanted to do it. This is an excuse to do it. And obviously, you can only do that in one take. So yeah. they just set three cameras up around her and they get a barber to wear these clothes to look like it's V doing right, it yeah. and film her getting her hair lopped off. Yeah. So that was all done, you know, one take for the thing. Nice. Uh, which is quite a cool, fun, liberating thing to do, I guess. I mean, I've cut all my hair off when I've had long hair and it is quite yeah, but fun in, I think in 2005 it was, like, quite shocking. Right. I don't know. For a for a well known actress to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean the so. only other like person in film who's done it is like Furiosa and that was like, there's lots of like connotations that no, come I along think with it. There's been a few because even um when we did Liv Tyler, it wasn't completely shaved, but she, she had really long hair and then when we did when we watched Cookie's Fortune, it was uh, like, I'm gonna cut yeah. my hair super short for this role yeah. to re- reinvent the character or something. So it is a thing that women often do. do like I'm think- gonna cut my hair off and I'll be a different person. Mm. Because there's a there's quite a lot of um it's like growing more popular again now to like for women Short to shave their hair yeah um do you think that I've never to me I've never really understood the shocking drama of women having short hair I think it just like <laughs> symbolizes I don't know I've never done it you used um, to have short hair though I used to have very short hair when I was young yeah yeah um but I think not like buzz cut. Sure, From. and I think there's some there's some sort of like symbolism and power in a woman having a buzz cut yeah. that is like quite alluring. To, I think to me particularly, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. But I think it's cool. Um, I think it takes like guts for sure because hmm? I think there's some there's definitely some like symbolism. It'll grow back. Should we do it live on the podcast? You can be like, uh, <laughs> would one take? 
Um, I'm, I'd be very tempted, yeah. All right, okay. So next episode, Becca's going to shave her head. Um, but yeah, this is another one where she had an accent, just put on a British accent, mm. and it's fine. I think it's really believable, like, She's actually. not bad at accents. I don't know where this sort of, like, she's no good accents thing comes from. Mm. Like, that. there's much worse. This is fine. Yeah. That's delicious. Mm, good. God, I haven't had real butter since I was a little girl. Where'd you get here? A uh, government supply train on its way to Chancellor Sutler. <clears throat> you stole this from Chancellor Sutler? Yes. You're insane. I dare do all that may become a man who dares more is none. Macbeth. Very good. My mum. She used to read all his plays to me, and ever since I've always wanted to act. In plays, movies. When I was nine, I played violin. Twelfth night, mum was very proud. Where's your mother now? She's dead. I'm sorry. Can I ask about what she said on the telly? Yes. Did you mean it? Every word. You really think that blowing up Parliament's going to make this country a better place? There's no certainty, only opportunity. I think you can be pretty certain that if anyone does show up, Creedy will black bag every one of them. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. And you're going to make that happen by blowing up a building? The building is a symbol, as is the act of destroying it. Symbols are given power by people. Alone, a symbol is meaningless, but with enough people, blowing up a building can change the world. I wish I believed that was possible. But every time I've seen this world change, it's always been for the worse. I uh, I love Stephen Fry in this as well. Yeah, it's got a really it's good great. cast, actually. Yeah, really, Like, really you got good. Hugo Weaving as V. Like, I love... Hugo Weaving is a good enough actor that he's so good even though you never see his face. Yeah. Uh, like, V is great. And it's so interesting to have a character. It's just like you don't see his face. Yeah, ever. there's no emotion like um, visually. No, but there's character in his body language and which his is interests great. Yeah. and like his mannerisms like as well. <laughs> the Hugo Weaving episode now. I love Hugo Weaving, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love her like reaction to him. Yes, because even though like I don't know if I befriended like a man with like a mask on. But then she kind of comes to like she's really very, like endear it's like very endearing and like loving like their relationship. I actually love like, her character in this. She's really like empathetic. Yeah. Um like the first time she sees he's making her eggs, she's like, Oh, your hands, like concern. Like there's a lot of like empathy in her character. Mm. It's not like disgust, it's worry. Yeah. And empathy all the yeah, time. Yeah. So yeah, really good character. Uh obviously based on the Alan Moore graphic novel yeah uh so alan moore obviously hates it because he hates anyone adapting any of his graphic novels and refuses to ever watch anything that's been adapted from them I but think it's a this good is film a really good one yeah most of them are that's the annoying thing about alan moore's stubbornness like most of the stuff that's been adapted from his stuff has been good yeah he just refuses blankly to watch any of it and it's all trash well i watched this and i really like it so I take that alan watching <laughs> it now um, and taking into consideration everything that's going on in the world, very poignant. Mm. Me saying that most of it, of Alan Moore's adaptations is good, by the way, is very um, controversial because there's obviously some absolute trash in there. Like, I'm not going to go for Bat for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> even though I love those comics. <laughs> right. That's a moot point because we're talking about Natalie Portman. Yes. Anyway, uh, so next. Next is Leon. Leon, her first ever film. So 1994, yeah. Leon, how old was she? In so this? she was cast at the age of eleven. Wow! I think she was about thirteen by the time it was like coming out. Why did you hide a cigarette? This building's full of rats. I don't want my old man to find out. Got enough problems. 
What happened? I fell off my bike. Hey. Don't tell my dad about the cigarette. Okay, so re we um, rewatched this because yes. I haven't seen it um, for years and years and years. Um, oh, it says she's twelve. She's a twelve. Okay, so it came out when she was thirteen. Yeah, she was cast when she was eleven. Film when she was twelve. That makes sense. So everything about this I love. Yes, the concept of it. She basically comes from like a broken home. Her her parents are assholes. Like she comes from a broken home, um, and eventually some sort of events like her parents get killed um, and she gets taken in by Leon who's an assassin yeah he's a hitman um, and I love that concept it's really cool she like becomes like stronger and like more independent and like there's there's like um, she has like regimen and like kind of he, he cares for her but in like a kind of distant way kind of I saw a thing today actually um, he was saying the guy who plays Leon he was saying he wanted to play Leon like he was obviously like a smart enough guy to be an effective hitman like killer, but yeah. he wasn't 100% there right like okay. there was something missing yeah. so sometimes her like romantic advances he doesn't understand how to take them yeah which that's... makes this weird relationship where he he was saying like oh in my mind, as the the character, he would never have made it physical, ever. Yeah. That's not in his mind. But also, he's not in really intelligent enough to understand that some stuff's inappropriate. Yeah. Whereas she is a confused young girl who is trying to be what she thinks is a grown-up woman. Yeah. So there's this uncomfortable sexual tension in this film between yeah. an 11-year-old girl and a grown man. Yeah. Which is why... So you said you rewatched this. Yeah. There are two cuts of this film. Right. The version that you watched the first time... Yeah. ...is the theatrical cut. Right. The version you watched this time is the international cut. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. It's about 20, 25 minutes extra footage... Right. In the international cut. It's, it's all the stuff that got cut right, yeah. when it went over to America and out of Europe, which leans way heavier into like a romantic relationship between an 11-year-old girl and an adult yeah. man, which is not necessarily appropriate and is very distasteful to a certain audience or yeah. <laughs> most audience, I guess. Um, it's definitely compelling. That's why I was like, I don't remember this. Yeah, you were a bit like, this isn't the film I remember. Like, after you watched it, you were like, it felt like you had a different opinion of the film. Yeah. I still like it a lot. I think it's still a great film. But it just really made me, like, re-question their relationship. And that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Like, what you're saying, like, he is not um, got all of his, like, mental faculties or whatever. He's not on status quo, as it were. And she grew up... In a bad situation, is just trying to grow up too fast, and like seeing her older sister do stuff or mm. like see stuff, and well, she know. sees her parents having sex like yeah. all the time, and it's just normal. Is it based in New York? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, it is. So yeah, it's kind of that it's sometimes of it is it's troubling. like awkward to watch. Oh but... yeah, definitely. And some of those scenes, like you know, when he buys her the dress, mm. and then she tries it on for mm. him. The director, Luc Besson, he didn't um, 
let them rehearse that scene because mm. he wanted to capture the awkwardness of that scene like as a first take. Mm. So that scene is really awkward. Yeah. And it feels raw and awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. you feel like you shouldn't be watching it. Yes. Because he made them do it. Just go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's kind all of that genius, sort of interest. Really. Yeah, like it's a it's a weird film because it is a great film. I do love this film. Yeah, and I, I, I said it on it's about another film, another podcast. Like that dynamic of the adult and the and the child, um, the lone wolf and cub dynamic. I love yeah. in films, um, and this is sort of like the the classic of that. But but she the the film I don't know that's kind of really like a sub bubbling away like sub context for her becoming like. An assassin protege. Oh, yeah. The main storyline, like, when you cut out all that stuff, it's like he trains her to become an assassin. Yeah. And she tries to track down the guy who killed her parents. Yeah. That's the plot. And it's great. Like, that yeah. stuff I love. Oh, like, and them, you get Gary like, Oldman really hamming it up. Yeah. <laughs> them, like, on the rooftops. Him, like, showing her, like, the ropes. Sniping and, the like, shit, yeah. yeah, this is your gun. This is how you use it. And, like, him going to his, like, old haunts and stuff and being like, can I have... I don't know what it is he gives her, but, like... When you're an assassin, there's obviously like a tier of guns and he gets mm. like tier one. Mm. And the guy's like, why do you need this? He was just like, practice, like <laughs> whatever he says. And then you like, it's kind of like that kind of, to me now you said it reinforces the fact that he's kind of, he's a little bit, I don't know, off kilter mm. as it were, because he's doing that stuff kind of in broad daylight, like within his circle and stuff like that. So it's kind of obvious to them that something's afoot. And then when he comes to his like kind of boss and it's just like, she, like brings her. Yeah. And he's like, she's my like Protégé. assistant or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Makes I mean, sense. Since this came out, she, after this came out, like she was sort of typecast as the, uh, like mm. she, she wasn't happy, but her parents were a little bit iffy about her doing this anyway. Cause she smokes all the way through it and stuff. They said, well, as long as she didn't deny her or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, she was sort of cast in a lot of iffy sort of like young girl, underage girl in love films and like, no, didn't want to do them. Yeah. Didn't want to get typecast as the Lolita star character. Yeah. Kind of gross. Um, since has become kind of unhappy about um, sort of encouraging like inappropriate male fantasies because mm. there's a weird fandom for this film. For that, which I never knew this until we no, started looking into it. It was it blew my mind. I went on IMDb to get some like trivia on this film after we watched it, and all the reviews just like the best love story of all time. And I was like really turning my stomach. Some of the things that people were writing about this film, and I and never, how is it okay to come out of the woodwork on fucking yeah, like, IMDb about your like child? Hey, can't we just kind of get the the the, the, the feds on to IMDb and just go and find track down everyone who's written these weird reviews of this film because. They were really making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I love the film. As do, uh, so obviously this is favourites of some of our Twitter followers, uh, Cat Payne Blackadder. <laughs> Thanks, Cat. <laughs> and um, Jacob Patton, both Thanks, Jacob big Patton. fans of this film. And amazingly, like, she's 11 years old when they're filming this. It's a really amazing performance for a child actor. Yeah. And, like, super complex. Mm. Like yeah. her mannerisms and, like, uh, the way she... Um, portrays her feelings and stuff and, and there's a real like innocence yeah. to the role as well which is very believable like a child acting like they think an adult wants them to act which is mm. sort of uncomfortable to see on film sometimes and you kind of you also see her kind of like harden to 
like all the situations going on around her. Mm. Um, it's a great film. Yeah, really good. Like amazing first film. Um, and then the final one. Just stay was, off IMDb. Yeah. The final one, the one that we hadn't seen before now, was Closer. So what did you think to Closer? Okay, I found this film really weird. Really? Yeah, it was just odd. The fact that it, um, the fact that they're kind of, it's like a weird love triangle. There's like two couples mm. and Jude Law's character oh, we is just like him. hugely manipulating. We hated him. <laughs> and um, like it was great in the fact that it made me so uncomfortable to watch it. Yeah. Um, it was very realistic. What I what I commented on when we watched it, I was like, you know, when it came out, how frank Pete, the, the the dialogue is in this yeah. about sex. Yeah. I think would have been quite shocking when it came out. Yeah. I don't know if I've heard sex talked about so just like plain faced yeah. in cinema at this when this came out. Mm. I think that would have been a lot of the because this is a very well regarded film, and I think that would have been made people pay attention to it. Yeah, um, this was an Oscar nominated performance from Natalie. Mm. Um, so she, this is she was nominated for supporting actress. Yeah, so she basically becomes infatuated with. Jude Law's character. Yeah. Who's infatuated with Julia Roberts' character. Yeah. Who is married to Clive is Owen's married character. To Clive Owen's character. There's really he's only four infatuated characters. with her. And she's kind of like disenchanted with the whole thing. There's like kind of four characters yeah. in this film. And they've all got different um sort of downsides to their personality. Yeah. So I would say Natalie Portman's character is naive. Yeah. That's her main and, um, flaw. She's and trying to be someone she isn't. She uses a fake name for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, Jude Law is controlling and manipulative. Yeah, Clive Owen is maybe like a... slightly sexually aggressive, but generally probably the most innocent of the four. Yeah, and then Julia Roberts is depressed. She doesn't know what the fuck she wants, and she is meandering. Yeah, and they've all got these flaws to them. Yeah, and it's just watching them all interact with each other. Yeah, you just see a series of events like play out over, I don't even know how long, maybe a year, could be Quite two. a few like years, it felt like a few years. Time kind of just isn't really Every now and then one of them mentions fluid. the amount of time mm. and stuff and it's like, oh, it's been that long because it has a lot of time jumps all the way mm. through it. Um, I actually did like it though. I liked it, but it was um, a frustrating watch, I think. Just like, I just don't like seeing... People being so like blatantly manipulated, I just think. But that's what made it good. Well, she said this was the film that really helped her shake Star Wars. Right, yeah. And made people not think of her as the Star Wars girl. Yeah. This was she'd been trying to shake that and this was the one that like, oh okay, I finally shake shaken Star Wars because this is as far from like Star Wars as you can get, I guess. Yeah. And it was sort of like a very revered performance. Like I said, she was nominated for an Oscar for this role. And it would have been her first Oscar nomination, I think. And it's something, it's like totally different as well. Yes, it's not even totally like the same genre or whatever. So it's like the most opposite thing she could have done. You're lying. I've been you. You hold me. <laughs> I miss you, but I. Bore you. No. No. You did love me. I always love you. I hate hurting you. Why are you? Because I'm selfish. And I think I'd be happier with her. 
You won't. You'll miss me. No one will ever love you as much as I do. Why isn't love enough? Yeah, and this is one of three, I think three, maybe more, three films she's done with Jude Law. Like, they seem to... Come back around. Yeah, they're, yeah. In, they're in this, uh, Blueberry Nights, and um, there's another film that we're doing, like, uh, Fox Lux. So they, that's at least three I can think of off the top of my head yeah. that they've been in together. Um, yeah, it's interesting they keep appearing together. This is one of them that I was shocked, like, obviously she's um, established her, like, no nudity rules. It's quite an explicit like, film all around. yeah. And for a great proportion of it, she is like a stripper. Yes. And even though you don't see anything, it still quite doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Yeah. I was quite shocked at some of the shots. Um, I don't know if there's a body double involved or whatever. I know in some films she uses a body double for stuff. So mm. um, nice little fact, little tidbit for you for this. Uh, at the start of the film, Natalie Portman gave Julia Roberts a necklace oh. as a gift that had the word written on it <laughs> or if you want me to believe that the c word written on it and just to sort of reflect that their characters had quite foul-mouthed it was fun to play these like foul-mouthed plain speaking characters yeah and at the end of filming julia roberts gave her um a necklace back that said little <laughs> on it <laughs> or little c word <laughs> <laughs> nice that's quite fun yeah and um, i think they're oh i was gonna say they've so her and Julia Roberts, Roberts are also, uh, they star alongside each other in, oh, I swear I've seen them in something together. Uh, Everyone Says I Love You, Woody Allen mm. film. They're both in that together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So they're the, the first four. Mm-hmm. And they're all very good films in different yeah. ways. Yeah, super different lineup here. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. She's done a lot more than you think she has. Yeah. Because I feel like for most actors, if you looked at those four, you'd be like, wow, what a lineup. Mm. that's it. You're not going to beat those. This is just but the tip of the iceberg. I, I think, you know, there's, by the end, this aren't necessarily going to be what we end up with because she's done so much else. And yeah. some films that I love, one, which may be my, my favourite film of the last five years, is the mm. film that she's been in. So we'll come to that later on. What, what Which one's he talking about? Nice. It's a little, little tease. Mm. Um, so I guess what we'll do now is do what we always do, have a little break yeah. and go back right to the beginning of her filmography and work her work her way up to now yeah um so we'll discuss the films and then finish up with what we think are best yeah cool so after leon the next film she was in was heat mm-hmm. uh, which um i have not seen for oh, 10 years and i've only watched it once and yeah. i barely remember it and it's one that is really jury watched for me but I don't remember her being in it barely at all, mm. so I didn't think it was worth rewatching just for this. I when think I had other films to watch. She's not a main character like she's in Leanna at all. She's just like her side. My memory of Heat is it was it's always been pumped up for me as like oh it's an all time classic, and I watched it and it didn't draw me in, and then it was like a three hour film that hadn't drawn me in straight away, so I like struggled to get <laughs> through it. And I, it's one I would really like to rewatch, and hopefully it will take me in the next time. Mm. But I just feel like I wasn't in the right frame of mind the first time I watched it. I want to give it another go. But we did that, watch Beautiful Girls. Yeah, Beautiful Girls. This is an odd one. Yeah. I don't think this one has stood the test of time. Mm, no. It felt incredibly dated. I did 
enjoy her in it. I mean, her character is probably the best part in it, to be honest. Yeah. It's not a major role at all. No, she's like the neighbor's kid. She's the neighbor's kid who has a crush on the the main older character. guy. Again, he, like, crush come... on the older guy. Yeah. Underage girl, crush on the older guy. The trope is mm. following her. Um, yeah, like the guy who even plays the main guy. I don't know. I literally didn't recognize anyone in this film. It's a really odd film. So yeah, Timothy Hutton is the main guy. And he comes home to like stay with his family in yeah. like a small town, basically. It's just like a guy coming back to his old town and just chilling and out seeing with what he wants to do mates. with his life. Yeah. He's a bit of like a midlife thing. Yeah. He's coming back, doing fun stuff with his mates who never really grew up. And he just chats to the neighbor's kid every now and again, and he played by Natalie Portman. What's your name? Marty. As in Martha? As in Marty, name for a grandfather I never even knew, Martin. So now I'm Marty, just Marty, a girl named Marty. It is, I think, the bane of my existence. Mm. Hmm. How old are you? Thirteen. Ah. But I'm an old soul. <laughs> so why'd you come back? Ah, uh, well. Uh, my high school reunion. Heavy. Yeah. So what's your name? Uh, Willie. Willie, I like your burns. <laughs> Thanks. You're kind of cool. How do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's just a call. Just a bunch of guys in the 90s just needing to grow the fuck up. I really didn't enjoy this <laughs> film. It was just like, grow up. It, it must really be some me. kind of American thing that we're just missing. This whole, like, don't get me wrong, I have, like, nostalgia for where I grew up, like, my hometown. Hmm. Maybe you not so much because if you moved around quite no, a bit. No, I moved around all my youth. But since we visited America, we did find that, like, it's either big city mm. or, like, little town. Mm. And, like, nothing really in between or, like, nothing. Un well, I grew up in a village, which is even smaller than that. And I don't feel like they have those in America as much. Mm. So there is, uh, but they have, like... There's a lot of like small town America films and there's like nostalgia for it. But she just plays like the typical precocious kid. Yeah. She's older than her years. She has a crush on the older guy, says, wait for me when I'm old enough, we'll get married, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And kind meanwhile, these and he, guys are all just being childish He like pauses guys. on it. He's like, oh. Yeah, he's like considers it for a bit, you know. It's very bizarre. Doesn't come of anything. No, I mean, I didn't. I thought this film was really just dated. Yeah. Uh, after that, Everyone Says I Love You, which was written on our list, just like, oh, I don't know what it is, was watch it. Mm. And then you found out it was a musical directed by Woody Allen and said, I'm no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not watching this. I'll say you didn't miss much. I watched it in the background while I was painting and uh, she's barely in it, to be honest. Right. And the film didn't do a lot for me. I barely remember it. It was a very like, sometimes when I put a film on the background, it will draw my attention away and I'll be like, oh, this is actually good. This one didn't. It oh, just sure. washed over me and I was like, no thanks. Right, let's talk about Mars Attacks. Um, we watched this. But do we have a lot to say about it? No. We watched this for Pam Greer. Yeah. And Natalie Portman was in it about as much as Pam Greer was. <laughs> like 10, like split seconds, like two minutes. Or Jack, Jack Nicholson's that. the president's daughter. Yeah, it's really weird. 
um, next. Again, no, we said though in that film, oh, of a cast, of a film that has like over 20 main characters. Mm. When we watched the Pam Greer episode, yeah. we said Pam Greer is one of only seven people that survived till the end of the film. Yeah. So is Natalie Portman. She survives. So we're just working our way through the survivors of Mars Attacks. This was uh, a fave and recommended by Madison Tropic. Madison, um, sorry, we don't like Mars Attacks. We already watched mm, no, it. No, no, no. We already said this on Pam Greer. I know a lot of people say it's misunderstood. Um, we uh, misunderstood it. Yeah, maybe we misunderstood it, but I'm not a fan. And I've given it two goes now, and no, I, I won't watch it again. <laughs> So, um, next, so in 1999... A little film. Uh, only five years after her, like, film debut, a little film called Star Wars Episode One premiered. What's um, it called? Star Wars? What's it called? Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. And it's a pretty big film. This was recommended by Beef. <laughs> Natalie Portman plays... Who does she play? Oh, she come on this. now. Are you still playing a joke? <laughs> she played... Natalie Portman plays Queen Amidala. Yeah. Um, slash Padme. Yeah. There are things I cannot do. I cannot watch while people suffer. I cannot sit when something must be done. I cannot judge those who are different. There are things I cannot do. Run. Hide. Ignore. There are things I cannot do. But there are certainly things I will do. Um, who becomes the love interest of... Um, Darth Vader. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader. Spoiler alert. Um, if you haven't seen it by now, you don't care. Yeah. And a lot of people who have seen it don't care. <laughs> right. Skip forward to, insert time code here, if you don't want to listen to this. Yeah, no, don't worry about spoilers <laughs> on this one. Um, I really like this film. Yeah, you know what? I feel like <laughs> I don't care if you ever say, I actually like episode one. Yeah. I genuinely think it's my favourite of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> He's going for over it. years, over Falls the years, out. it's just it's won me round. I don't know if it's the nostalgia, but I have a lot of affection for this it's terrible film. <laughs> and I've said on other podcasts sometimes when I can't sleep, Phantom Menace is my version of Counting Sheep. I lay I lay in bed and try and run through the plot, and it's so convoluted that eventually I fall asleep before I get a third into the film. So yeah, she Queen Amidala is like a little bit older. Please, um, just run through the plot quickly of episode one. Uh, well, it'll put you to sleep by the sounds of it if you use it for a sleep aid. Um, she's like the love interest. Well, she's not even the love interest. Like, Anakin Skywalker just fancies her. She's this a is, queen of um, Naboo. This is the thing with episode one. I'm pissed taking the piss out of it. I'm trying to fall asleep waiting about the plot. How can you even And I like it. And I like it. It's, right. But it is boring. Okay, listen. If you don't know the plot, just look it up. It's Let's so boring, but I do like it. <laughs> Jar Jar's Na awful. Why Natalie not? Portman's performance in it... Is very wooden. Is really wooden. Intentionally so, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Because she's kind of got split personalities, because she has to be the queen. Yes. And she also has to... She kind of like does this like double agent kind of thing with her like handmaidens, handmaidens mm -hmm. where they, like, for security reasons, kind of like double... 
don't know who the Queen is. And her handmaiden that she looks like, that she doubles back and across from, is played by... Keira Knightley. Keira Knightley. Um, So Beef, when Beef said, when I was asking for favourites, he didn't actually suggest episode one. He said, my favourite is the one where she looks like Keira Knightley. I said, that's episode one then. Um, (laughs) But yeah, they looked so similar when they were made up and put in the costumes because they flipped back and forth playing each other in these scenes to you know keep up the roots for viewers as well like I kind of like that and it definitely works in this because like I swear as a kid I was like wait a minute like you know we know when something's like slightly off you can't tell what it is well the thing is when her mum came on set like even her mum was getting confused and couldn't tell them apart and stuff there's like a they really do look the same especially at this age yeah you said about her playing this diplomat yeah and she's very wooden yeah something I didn't know until today when I was making notes that her voice has is digitally lowered oh, really? in this film. That's that. And when I think of it, I'm like, oh yeah, we will oh, not that's... have trade negotiations. It's very like deep, oh, and her voice weird. has been digitally lowered in this film to sound more yeah. wooden and deep and like regal, I guess, m- like melodic. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I did not know that. No, that makes a lot of sense. A little bit tidbit for you there, Senator. This is your arena. I feel I must return to mine. I've decided to go back to Naboo. Go back? But your majesty, be realistic that they'll force you to sign the treaty. I will sign no treaty, Senator. My fate will be no different than that of our people. Captain. Your Highness. Ready my ship. And she was cast by George Lucas after he saw her in Leon, was very impressed by her abilities as a child actor, mm. and he wanted to cast actors who looked a little bit like the main characters of the original trilogy because they would obviously be their parents. Mm. So she, he wanted someone who looked a bit like Carrie Fisher. I don't think Natalie Paul looks anything like Carrie Fisher. <laughs> no. But that was his intention. Not really. But don't ever question George Lucas. He lives in his own world. Jar Jar Binks. Next. Uh, episode two. We'll just talk about the whole trilogy. <laughs> so there's episode one. We just quickly did it. We like the Star Wars prequels. You know, shoot us. I don't care. Yeah. They're fun. Attack of the Clones. Yes. Uh, I think this one you can start seeing that her heart's not in this. Yeah. I think, yeah, episode one, obviously, she was like, oh, this is a weird new like sci-fi film. Like, cool. Um, but her excitement isn't played out on screen because she has to play the most wooden play, character. Yeah, yeah, she has to play... And then, like, episode two, she gets... You get a little bit more of, like... Feisty? Yeah, because she is, like, obviously having, like, romantic entailment with Anakin Skywalker, um, Hayden Christian's character. He takes on the very wooden, like, role. Yes. And she becomes a little bit more, like, diplomatic and agitated. And and she gets a little bit of action. Like, they have that Colosseum scene where they get to, like... She gets a little bit of action in this one. Yeah. The thing is, they're both so unfairly maligned in these prequels. Yeah. She managed to break out of them. Yeah. Um, break out of it. But I really always feel sorry for Hayden because he's not as bad an actor as he's made to be in these. No like, way. He, she is wooden in that first Star Wars film yeah. because she is being directed to be wooden. Mm. He is wooden in these two and three because he is being directed to be wooden. Yeah. Like George Lucas keeps saying to him, speak like Darth Vader speaks. Well, Darth Vader's a flipping robot, basically, by the time we see him. So he's trying to do the same cadence as Darth Vader. Just, and it mm. doesn't work. And, yeah, it just destroyed these, his career. But um, you said the, the, the romance is in number two. Mm. So her and Hayden 
mm. who did have a pretty good relationship off camera like they got on well mm. um, they were really not happy with a lot of the romance dialogue uh, that yeah. Lucas had written like it's it's bad it is I, I like these films but it's bad the romance dialogue is bad and um, that a lot of it is like actually just ad-libbed like they sort of were saying like we're not doing these lines sort of thing wow yeah um, and even even the ad-libbed lines aren't good like none of the romance is good they don't yeah. have a lot of chemistry it's together it's awkward no which is a shame although is it really because I think for someone who literally like um, Anakin Skywalker aka Darth Vader for somebody who literally like takes over the world is it awkward that he like can't romance anybody I don't, I don't think know. so <laughs> The, it's part you, of his character. It does make sense that her heart's maybe not 100% in these prequels, though, because yeah. she was, at this time, she'd gone back to university mm. and was finishing her degree. Right. So she was like, oh, I'll keep my commitments to this contract. I will turn up and do Star Wars. Yeah. But at the same time, I am focusing on getting my university degree. Fair enough. So throughout the Star Wars prequels, she is also studying at university that's, at Harvard. That's ridiculously tough. And she, she did get her degree at Harvard University. So, you know, fair play whilst making Star Wars. Yeah. And then finally, number three, uh, Revenge of the Sith. This was her favourite of the three. Mm-hmm. I think she gets to put a lot more emotion in this one, which is probably yeah. why. It's because basically she's like separated from Anakin now, isn't she? They're like, yeah, they and it's all the, it's a tragedy. Episode three is an absolute, is a tragedy and, and she, she gets spends, to be the heartbroken, tragic. Yeah. Figure. She spends more time with um, Ewan McGregor's character, Obi-Wan Kenobi, doesn't she? Mm. Um, he kind of like rescues her. Yeah. And it's a lot more like, the whole, the three films like obviously culminate and it's quite an emotional. Yeah, like, it's like the first climax. one she has to be wooden, mm-hmm. so it's not much fun to do. The second one she has to do bad uh, like romance. romance dialogue yeah. and then just like fun action scenes, but like you doesn't get you get to show off your acting chops. This one is a tragedy, so she gets to be like tragic, so she gets a bit more to do. Yeah, and that's the Star Wars prequels. Um, if you don't like them. Tapu, we like it must them. have been quite hard. I mean, not like for her and all of the cast. So I think, um, like we've seen this in a few documentaries because, like, the majority of all of these films were like blue and green screen. Yes. So, like, acting not in a built environment, like in your imagination. Um, some people's imaginations are stronger than others. Um, depends if you're like hundred percent invested in the film or not. I'm sure George's imagination's fantastic. Well, especially when episode one came out, like, your film had never been made like this. Yeah. And they're just like, what is this? Yeah. And, and like, you're just like, imagine all those, like, Q-tips are like a crowd and stuff and it's quite disconcerting, I think. Well, Terrence Stamp is in episode one and he, one of the main reasons he signed up to it was like, oh, well, uh, Natalie Portman's in it. I wanted to work with her. That'd be really yeah. fun. He didn't actually get to film any scenes with her. Right, yeah. And he was a bit sort of like, Oh. put out by it yeah he's like I'm just like he's like, I'm a professional actor and I'm just like looking at puppets and like blue walls yeah and this is not what I signed up for and I he think was, it would like, definitely as an actor like turn you off yeah a lot of stuff and wouldn't get the best reactions out of you because it's just like imagine you're getting eaten or like whatever and yeah. it's just like okay there's I think now with a lot of these sort of green screen movies they've probably they've sort of hit a happy medium because mm. I know like obviously a lot of the action scenes and more sort of expansive scenes in the Marvel films are a lot of green screen and stuff but I think they integrate it a lot better mm. and it's not just all just blue walls give you like a lot of con- more context yeah exactly mm. so they've hit a happy medium with this stuff now I think well even in the stuff that we've been seeing in the new Star Wars their new technology yeah exactly even those 
Um, uh, even though I'm not. Well, we won't go into that. That's right. That's a sore subject for a lot of fans. <laughs> next topic we touch on uh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next film for Natalie Portman. Anywhere, Anywhere but here. Anywhere but here. Yeah. We watched this. This one, the last ones we watched. Um, I liked it a lot, and I think did you? this is. I. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I did like it. Okay. It was crazy. I just we didn't talk about it. I just wondered what you thought of it. I think this is the first. I liked it because I think this is the first film where you see Natalie Portman really having fun. Having fun and like embodying her character. Yeah. Um, she's not a kid anymore. She's sort of playing someone who is. She's not an adult. Mm-hmm. She's the whole point young. of the film is she's going through a transitional age. She's like a young adult, yeah. But she's not a kid anymore. Um, she stars across Susan Sarandon. Yes. Who is fantastic. She said that she would only do this film. Yeah. If Natalie Portman played her daughter in it. Wow. And um, when like, we weren't sure if she would do it, she was like, I'm only doing it if, if Natalie Portman's yeah. playing my daughter. Wow. So when they got her in. This came out the same year as um, Star Wars, and I think it really like pulled her out of that. Yeah, I think like, she needed something to do alongside it. Um, While studying again. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, anyway, it's a mother-daughter, um, and basically her mum's um, a bit crazy, her like, mom, in a fun way. It reminds Anna, me of my mum. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Like unpredictable. Right. Yeah. Um, if you see, Susan's like a little bit erratic and just like kind memorable of off the cuff is the way she describes her. Right. You know, you know, if you met my mom for five minutes on her for years, you still remember her, and that's kind of like, does she mean that's a compliment or not? It's kind of you kind of she says that towards <laughs> the end, and I'm like, yeah, this reminds me of my mom a little bit. You're unpredictable. Right. Very much, and I grew up um, with just me and my mom. And it very, some of this film was very, reminded me of that. <laughs> oh, say. really? Yeah. In what way? Just the fact that it's like, right, we're doing this. Like, suddenly yeah. you're like, whistle. Drop everything. Yeah. And you, yeah, unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. But their relationship is like really, like, wholesome and endearing, like, really deep down. Yes. Even though I think that, um, they get on each other's nerves and it's obviously like a difficult relationship at times where, one of them wants to go this way and the other one wants to go that way and they kind of like butt heads and it's quite um like a little bit emotional um but i think really they're very similar at heart and they um yeah like love each other dearly and you mm. can see that in the film and i like that and it's a really really interesting and difficult relationship to portray in a film and i think this did it really really well yeah it's a dynamic that i haven't seen quite like this in a film yeah. Um, so interesting. Like, it's not my favourite that we watched, but it mm. was interesting. Um, she did Zoolander after that, like a little cameo as herself, I guess. I've never watched Zoolander. I know. I tried. I, does, I, I don't care. This doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone who loves Zoolander, but this is not my thing. Um, Cold Mountain, she was in. I didn't. I haven't seen that either. I do want to watch that film, but I didn't Stu watch Dorgan. it for this because I know she hasn't got like a major role in it. I knew she was in another one mm. with him. Uh, this is more of a Nicole Kidman joint, though, isn't it? Mm. I think Jack, Natalie Portman's fairly down the yeah, cast. I don't know. I've not seen it either. Yeah, Lily I Zellweger's do. Zellweger's in it as well. Yeah, that's it. So I think they sort of have the lead roles. I mean, we was getting to a point where we need to watch ones where she has a more prominent role. Mm. Garden State. Like Garden State. Yeah. Um, recommended by Anthony Anderson. I had already seen this. This is like kind of one of her big, well-known films. I was actually yeah. kind of surprised it's one that they're known for. Yeah. Do you like this film? 
I think I do. You think you do? Yeah. Because this was like a real... But this was such a beloved film when it came out. Yeah. You couldn't like escape it, it felt like. Yeah. So it's written and directed by Zach Braff and starring. <laughs> it's one of those films, when did it come out? 2004. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films where you see where you're like an, like a young teen and you're like, oh my God, it's yeah. amazing. It's not as deep as you think it is yeah. when you watch it at that age. Yeah, yeah. And it's fine i remember the, i hadn't i didn't watch it when it first came out i watched it quite a few years later and i think i got it cheap from like blockbusters like when they sold their ex-rental dvds and i was like it's fine like i didn't understand what the hype was about maybe yeah. it missed me and watching it again we did rewatch it and i was still like it's fine yeah she sort of so this is interesting. So this is always um, sort of brought up as sort of maybe one of the first examples in cinema of the trope, the female trope style character of the manic pixie dream girl is a name that's is a type mm. of character that's thrown around mm-hmm. uh, in, in sort of film circles. Mm. And it's, it's sort of like a, a kooky girl who's Bit. really only there cool. to fulfill the male character's arc. Right. She's the fun kooky girl who fulfills the male character's arc. She's a bit off the cuff, kind of like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is, she's sort of like, hmm. this this character in this performance is always sort of held up as like the sort of instigating right, example yeah. of that. Yeah. And when she took it on, she thought, this is a fun character um, and it was fun to play. But since has sort of appreciated that the trope is kind of troubling yeah. and not great. So the, the thing be, is, I suppose at the time... Things can be both. Yeah, the thing, I suppose the thing is at the time, retrospectively, you'd never know that that would become a thing. Like, and she, I suppose no, when she took it on, true. she was just like, oh, this is just like an interesting story. And then it becomes a character, trope. And then, yeah, it evolves. A negative trope, yeah. And um, to know you're a part of that when that's, if, you know, she wants to be a good role model, to be sort of turn into a trope which is sort of not what you stand for mm. which you really originally took on as an innocent role like she said it was fun to do but it has become a troubling trope yeah it can be both things things can be both it can be fun and also not a positive trope to yeah. sort of push towards but mm. it is sort of that type of character mm. we're not going to make out or anything what I'm sorry. I just like totally ruined that moment, didn't I? No, no, no. It's just that like we're not gonna make out, okay? Oh, no, no, I, I hadn't planned on trying. Oh my, I am so lean. That was like really. I'm, I'm sorry. Forget I just said that. I'm that's dumb. And you know what I do when I feel completely unoriginal? I, I make a noise or I do something that no one has ever done before, and then I can feel unique again, even if it's only for like a second. So no one's ever done that? No, not in this spot, no. You just witnessed a completely original moment in human history. It's refreshing. You should try it. Oh, no, no, thanks. No, come on. No, I, you know what? I think that was good enough for the both of us. Come on. What are you, shy? This is your one opportunity to do something that no one has ever done before and that no one will copy again throughout human existence. And, and if nothing else, you'll be remembered as, as the one guy who ever did this. This one thing. How's that? 
Oh, I've done that one before. <laughs> and the film's fine. It's not my favourite. I don't dislike this film. It is what it is. It's like a not Wes Anderson film. <laughs> and on that note, should we talk about... So after Star Wars Episode 3, Paris Chatem. So what's Paris Chatem? Paris Chatem. Which is part of the Cities of Love series of films. It's the first one they did. Yeah. So these films are compilations of short stories where the main character mm. is the setting. Mm-hmm. So there's Paris Chatem, New York, I Love You, um, you know, there's Berlin, I Love You, Rio, I Love You, all these mm-hmm. ones. And this was the first one. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I've never watched any of these. Interesting concept. Yeah. You go first. What did you think of this? I don't know. I didn't really like it. No, much. I thought it was a bit of a slog. Yeah. I thought there were Sadly. too many short films. Yeah. To the point where none of them felt significant in any way. They weren't fleshed out. Not at all. In a way. They were vignettes. I didn't really care about anybody. Um, She's in one of them. They're all like five minutes like, long. It's cool. Like, it's a cool like concept. And each segment is done by a different director as well. So it's yeah. loads of different directors putting their own spin. And like fun people show it's up like in this. It's like an ensemble piece. Yeah, Steve Buscemi's mm. in this. Uh, Elijah Wood was in it, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Bob Hoskins showed up in a it. Lot like, all of sorts French of people. Actors. Loads Willem of Defoe. French actors. Willem Dafoe was in it. Um, I liked her segment. So basically, she's um, the girlfriend of a blind guy, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And they have an interesting time. But yeah, I, I didn't like it. No. And this is the best. Like I've, I thought, oh, well, after I watch this, I might watch some of the others. And this is the others have terrible reviews compared to the Paris one, and the Paris one didn't do it for me. So it's just too uneven. Yeah. Uh, next, Goya's Ghosts. Yeah, this is a bit of a panned film. Mm. But what did you think, Becca? <laughs> <laughs> I keep passing these off to you. <laughs> what do you think of Goya's Ghosts? Oh, it was interesting. I don't. I didn't love it. Um, I actually kind of liked it. I thought it was interesting because I like the topic. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think it portrayed interestingly, like a period of time. It was pretty miserable. Yeah. That was the thing that I think a lot of people like. It was like quite dour. It. It's so dour. Yeah. It's so miserable. Did you tell us the truth? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> we have reason to suspect otherwise. Why? <laughs> we suspect the true reason you avoid pork is because you are a secret Judaizer. What? Are you? What is that? You practice Jewish rituals. No, I do not. You have something to confess to it now. But I... What do you want me to confess? The truth. But I did. Um, She has to go wear some pretty, like, grisly makeup in this. Yes. Yeah, because uh, she's imprisoned without daylight for like a number of years. It's like 15 or 20 years. It's a long time. Yeah. And she comes out pretty haggard. Yeah. Barely recognisable. And then she and also plays tortured. her daughter. And she plays her own daughter in it as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's about the artist Goya, oh, yeah. kind of. Like he is well, it's, kind I think it's of. Just, it's about him observing events around him. Yes, like, exactly. You're seeing the world through his eyes, I guess. Mm. Um, and she was cast because they sort of saw a similarity t- between her and 
some of the subjects of his paintings. Right, yeah. So they were like, oh, she would be good in this. Uh, Goya himself is played by Skellen Skarsgård. Yeah. One of the Skarsgårds. It was the right one. Yeah. And you had um, so, so Javier, Javier Bardem's Bardem. in yeah. it as well. He's like, quite a like menacing Bardem. character. He's always a menacing character. Yeah. He's a menacing presence at all times. Uh, so it's an interesting cast. And like famously Goya's um, imagery is very... Um, dour. <laughs> dour and like quite grotesque. Yeah. So the film does reflect yeah. his style, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Intentionally so. Mm. And this is a, re- a bit of a love or hate film. By looking at reviews, it is like kind of 50-50 down the middle. People think this is awful or they think it's kind of a weirdly beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Albeit grim. Yeah. But I liked it. Mm. And you weren't so keen but thought it was all right. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, okay. Uh, let's do one more. All right. Uh, My Blueberry Nights. Mm. This was actually the first one we watched, weirdly. Yes, And I was. really thought she had a bigger part in it. Yeah. Her and... Um, it's, the, it's the singer, isn't it? Who's the main... It's, it's her and Jude Law again. But Jude Law Nora Jones, it's isn't Nora it? Jones is the main character. She is the, yeah, she's the main character. So it's really Nora Jones and Jude Law. Yeah. Uh, but the the film is sort of separated into three acts. Yeah. She has interactions with like three different sets of people, I guess. Yeah. And so the third act is her meeting Natalie Portman's character, who's sort of a swindling poker player yep. with a rich dad, but with not good yeah. relationship with her dad. Yeah. Interesting character. Mm, a bit like um, Carefree. Probably the most interesting act of the film. Yeah. Like it's a real slog, this film. Yeah. It's, it's messy. I didn't enjoy it. People love this film. I did not enjoy it. No. I thought it was such a drag. The first act is her and... Um, Jude Law. Really? And Rachel Weisz. Oh, that I could... Yeah. See, I was looking at it as like, that's the second act. Right. So I was looking at yeah, the yeah. third act is her and Jude Law in the shop. Eating yeah. pie. Second act is her, Rachel Vice and the dude. Yeah. And then the third act is her and Natalie Portman poker running to Vegas whatever. Yeah. I don't have much to say about this. No, I didn't like it. I thought her character was a fun caricature. Well, she was despicable. She was awful. Yeah, it was really interesting. I yeah. hated her character, but I thought it was an interesting performance. Yeah. And it felt like her doing something that is not like More anything carefree. she'd done so yeah. far. Yeah, it was totally out of her. I don't want to say out of her comfort zone, but out of her like normal. But it was it was putting on an uh, exaggerated accent. Mm. It was her hair cut short, playing a real wild character, a poker player. Yeah, she was yeah. coached in playing poker I got for a this proposition role. For you. Mm. What kind of proposition? See, I need a steak. There's a man I could call in Vegas, but I don't want to do that. I'm gonna win that guy. I'm a stronger player than any of them. If you give me a chance, I'm gonna clean their clocks. How much do you need? Well, you're 2200 of getting back in. And then, once I cash out, you'll get your money back plus a third of my winnings. But what if you lose? If I lose, you get my car. It's a brand new Jack. This way, whatever happens, you got your ass covered from here to Houston. So the character was fun, cool. and this act was my favourite part of the film. Yeah. The character was also despicable, and I hated the character. Mm. But I did not like the film. Yeah. There you go. Is that kind of how you feel about it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to elaborate. Yeah. Sadly. 
It's fine. Watch it if you must. Should we take a break there or do you want to do one more? Uh, let's take a break. Take a break there. So we will be back uh, after this break. With part two. We'll chuck an advert in there. And we'll talk about her brief role in the Darjeeling Limited, Rose Anderson. Yeah. Before moving on to the rest of her career up till now. Finally finishing up with her favourite performances of hers. Cool. See you in a minute. See you in, yeah, after an ad break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We're back. Hey. So we're ready to record again. We just sank a bottle of wine. So we'll be in high spirits or very sleepy. Either <laughs> way, we'll get through it. And what's the next film, Becca? Um, so technically, it's the Darjeeling Limited. Which she has very small amount of yeah, screen time. Yeah, like a very fleeting role. But I think we should talk about more about Hotel Chevalier, which... Um, it's like a little prelude to the... Well, it's like a little addendum. Okay, so... It's either a prelude or an addendum. Dar- Darjeeling Limited is a Wes Anderson film. It's like one of his most overlooked. I actually really love Darjeeling Limited. Um, yeah. It's all filmed and set in India. But um, when that was released, the, fil- the short film Hotel Chevalier was released online. Yeah. So in Darjeeling Limited, Jason Schwartzman's character is talking about his breakup, his ex-girlfriend. Mm. And you see slight glimpses of the girl. Mm. So it's a very small, fleeting cameo, basically, by Natalie Portman mm-hmm. as the ex-girlfriend. In Darjeeling. In yeah. Darjeeling. But then Hotel Chevalier, which was released online. Like explains the breakup. It's more. like the flashback scene. It's like a short film of them two in a hotel room, yeah. basically. So her scenes in Darjeeling, she filmed in 30 minutes. Wow. She went over to India, did 30 minutes of filming. 
And then what? Just dust around. And then spent 10 days traveling India. She was like, yeah, definitely. Amazing. I want to see India. Like, I've always wanted to see India. I'll come over. We'll do that. And then I'm just going to go and explore India for 10 days. Anybody want to hire me for 30 minutes <laughs> of uh, um, screen time in India? But then they did the so the short film Hotel Chevalier, which is the uh, prelude. Yeah, it's more like European. Isn't it like Prisian or something? Yes. Yeah. You said it was her one of her only... We mentioned on this her, it's her like, first, nudity. Yeah, it's her first nude scene. So there is like a nude scene in this of yeah. her. And she actually really regretted it after she did it. Really? She said after she did this that she would never bear herself on screen ever again. Mm. She really regretted doing it. Isn't it weird that like only women really do that? Like fully, fully nude on screen. Like it's more usual to have like women... A woman being like nude on screen than it is a man. She said never again, but she did actually appear nude again in um, in Planetarium. Right. The thing is with her being like, oh, I don't want to appear nude. Like, fair enough. Like, that is definitely a valid like point. But making such a big deal of it and then going like flip-flopping on it is... Yeah. I don't know, I just feel a bit weird about it. Like, this, it does feel like... Making a big deal out of it. Almost makes it like more of a thing. I feel like she's quite indecisive. Yeah. We've said this, like I love like, Natalie Portman, but it's You're like... you to be indecisive. Anyone's I, I'm only going to do art films and then she does like silly rom-coms and then she goes, like, I'm mm. only going to, I'm not going to do nude scenes. And then she does one, then she regrets it. It's like quite indecisive, which I relate to. Like I change my mind all the time and regret things I've done. And I think it's just part of being human. Yeah. So it's actually very like, I, I, I'm very sympathetic to the fact that she just like changes her mind quite yeah. often after doing things. But I think when you're, I don't know, when you're very like steadfast against something and then you like flip flop on it, I think that's, that I find more irksome than yeah. the fact that she's done it or not done it or whatever. I don't care. But like, I don't know. Just, I don't oh. know. I find it relatable. <laughs> I'm a flip flopper. This, I don't, I haven't watched it since, um, since it came out, I think, which was like 2007. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm probably remembering this poorly. Again, it's been a long time since I watched this. I, I really do love Darjeeling Limited. I think I'm, I'm due a rewatch of it. Yeah. But I've only watched it twice. No, I meant um, Hotel Chevalier. But when I watched, what I was going to say, when I watched Darjeeling Limited, right. I always watched Hotel Chevalier with it. I didn't see Darjeeling at the cinema. Uh -huh. So I only saw it on DVD and that the DVD had Hotel Chevalier on it. Right. So I always watched both. Yeah. Because I think on the DVD it gives you an option to watch. It's like, well, do you want to watch you? it I with think the it's prelude? like the same. Yeah. It's like I think it's really important and, part to watch of one and the, same. The, the whole thing with, with it. But I think it's I an understand. underrated Wes Anderson film. It's a bit like it really should have just like come out at well, the beginning of whether the film. You, whether you're a uh, Wes Anderson, the, the, the whole thing depends on your tolerance for Wes Anderson. I know right. some people love his films and some people hate them. Yeah. Um, okay, I really, I, I really enjoy Wes Anderson's films. I think I like people who have a unique visual identity, and he definitely has that. I know some I, people grows tired, grow tired. I do, of it. but to a point, like the film that we just watched earlier has a very unique like visual identity, but the film still got my tits. We just watched <laughs> Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that's um, Darjeeling Limited is like a fantastic film, but sadly she's not doesn't appear. No, in that it's, much. it's a glorified cameo. Watch uh, Hotel Chevalier for a little bit more Natalie Portman. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah, a lot more Natalie Portman. But the, after that, I watched. You oh. didn't, I, I dived in front of this bullet. 
you said no right, and okay. I, I took it what's this one about um, Mr. This... Magorium's Wonder Emporium yeah I think you read the title and looked at the poster and went no oh god it looks like <laughs> Willy Wonka but not yeah basically it's kind of Willy Wonka but a toy shop instead of a chocolate factory the font is the same as Willy Wonka let's put it that way it's about Mr. Magorium which is Dustin Hoffman right he is like hundreds of years old owns a toy shop and is magical and he wants her to take it over when he's gone. Right. And she, is she going li- to live hundreds of years? She's kind of the main character. Right. Because um, it's all about her coming to terms with what she wants out of life, whatever. Is she just like a normal employee and then he like yeah, sees she's something friends, in her? No, she's friends with him for oh. years. And she be- she's like the only person who believes in all the magic. Her and this like kid that she's friends with who goes to the shop every day. It's a kid's film. It's, a, it's like... I understand that a lot of people don't like this. I found it hard to dislike because I'm just like, this is a kid's film, what do you want? Like, you don't get many just very sweet-hearted right. children's films like this in this day and age. Jason Bateman's in it. Yeah. yeah. So Jason Bateman's... I really like Jason Bateman. Um, and it, So he's in it. He's like the stuffy auditor, basically trying to take stock of you he's know the how, what the shop's worth because he's going to retire. Right. And Basically, it's that he's the stuffy guy, and Natalie Portman and the kid are trying so to bring out the fun in him. Okay. Yeah, it's that. It's a kids' film. I, it's not, I couldn't get angry at this, even though I didn't like it. I'm just like, it's. Why didn't you like it? But I didn't dislike it. It's a kids' film. Right. It's fine. Okay. It's a fine. It was kids beneath film. you, is what you're trying to say. Not at all. She did. She's a pianist in it. Right. As well. Okay. Right. It's all coming out the woodwork now. She's a pianist. <laughs> What else um, don't we know about this film? <laughs> you mentioned know, that now, so let in the day. I forgot. I, forgot I would have watched it had I known. I forgot that's kind of the main thing about her character. <laughs> right. But um, Well, doesn't she do? I, I don't know. I can't remember. I just <laughs> watched this in the background. It's fine. It's a fun kids film. Like, kids would like it. Right. It's not... It's Just go into it non-cynical if you want to watch it. I think it's charming. Next film is The Other Berlin Girl. She learned piano for that, Oh, I'm way. moving on. She learned piano for that. Kudos. For Mr. Magorium. Can you imagine? Really? Great part in Mr. Magorium's Wondering Report. Right, I'm learning piano. Maybe she got... Maybe the numbers were right. Yeah, fine. Other Berlin Girl. Um, This is more your sort of thing. This is up my street. It's like a historical um, drama. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These are the ones that Becca likes. (laughs) To anyone else on the planet. Well, maybe not anyone else. It's got 6.7, so some clearly some people like it's, it. That's not that great. Um, anyway, it's about... Um, the other Berlin girl. Yeah, the other Berlin girl. Basically, Henry VIII's lover. Yeah. Um, it's got Scarlett Johansson in it. Yeah, they're sisters. Yeah, they're sisters. So basically, like, Henry VIII has a thing for Natalie Portman mm. initially. But, like, something happens and then he mysteriously ends up sleeping with her sister. Yeah, there's sort pregnant. of, like, there's all these machinations of, like, you should, this should be your mistress, she should father your yeah. child, your wife isn't, you know... She's not producing the goods. Not producing the goods. No. A.K.A. A, a son. A, a son. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, Natalie Portman's character's put up, but stuff, events um, unfold... And basically that doesn't go ahead. And then he um, ends up um, fathering a child of his um, her sister, which is um, Scarlett Hansen's character. Mm. But like nothing could come of it. It's all like this royal mm. hoo-ha, like a big bastard child. So she kind of gets like shut away basically. 
And then Natalie Portman like rises to the fore again. She's yeah. like the favorite thing. I zone out of this sort of film. Yeah. I'm trying to like... These sort of films and spy films are like the ones I zone out of that you like. Don't put them in the same... <laughs> They're the same to me. Don't tarnish them in the same way. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's Natalie Portman, Scarlett Hansen, and Eric Banner as Henry oh, yeah. VIII. That's a pretty good Henry VIII, to be honest. Yeah, he's not bad. Well, he's like if Henry VIII was like more charming. But we don't know what Henry VIII was like, I guess. He was a total arsehole, but um, I like to... Th- think that if he was better looking like Eric Banner is I could forgive him for a lot of things right okay so she has <laughs> it's, again she's doing her English accent in this yeah she was really criticised for this really it's fine it's fine we said it before her accents are fine I don't maybe we're like soft touch on the poor stuff but I, I think she's fine at accents take care because he'll only do to you what he's done to me you should not have given yourself so lightly these are the consequences. I gave myself to a man I loved. And he loved me. A man's love is worthless. Our mother succumbed to love. Look what it got her. A feeble husband. Love is of no value without power and position. If I give the king a son, he will not bear the name bastard. Who's criticising her? Because as English people, I think it's fine. What American we do dodgy like, American accents in films all the time, so... This is just a general Not, not me and you, but, I mean, the Brits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't even do one. Come on, please do an American accent. No. Uh, um, it's a bit of a pet peeve from mine. Casting, can you do this in an American accent, please? Could you... Uh, casting people who oh, are Oh, that's like, so bad. <laughs> I cast- find it easier to do a soft American voice. I find it quite easy that's to... That's like Microsoft help and yeah, they're not giving you any help. Very, it's very soft, very... Um, I'm giving you a tutorial video. Tutorial yeah, voice. It's a close-up of my yeah. hands and I really want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. This podcast <laughs> has now become an ASMR podcast. So, if you're enjoying what you see, so please like and subscribe, hit the... <laughs> that. Right, back to my niggle. Yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying when films cast people to, like, do accents, even though there's many, many people who would fit that role that are from that place. Oh, like, so, many. so many. Yeah, there's, there's so, so many, many great English, like, British actors or a- and actresses that would be great, but they cast... Star power. Like, yeah, anyway. Um, all over, not just like this film, but like just massively in general. Star power, because if you look at this and go, oh, Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson yeah. playing sisters. Oh, and they're the Berlin sisters. Oh, I'll go and see that. Like, yeah. it's star power. Oh, English history. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's like a bit of a segue, but whatever. Yeah, it's a good film if you like historical dramery type things. If you generally, if you generally enjoy my other recommendations. For me, these sort of films, like they're never going to be my favourites, obviously. Yeah. But like, I, it takes a lot for them for me to really dislike them. Right. So I'm always just like, yeah, it's all right. Like I, I they wash over me. I'm not a massive. I'm not enough of a history buff to be like. It's really good because it's really accurate. Who fucking knows? I don't care. That's true. This is really criticised for not being very accurate. Right. You like historical films but are not a history buff. So you're like the perfect audience for this. 
Yeah, I don't care if it's accurate. I want a fun um, story that may have light, light links to history. To yeah, to my detriment, I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if it's interesting, if there's some like little bit of blood and gore, a little bit sexy, a little bit of history, I'm all over that. Right. If you align with my interests, watch this. If not, give it a miss. <laughs> I liked the next film more. Brothers. Yes. Yeah, this was really interesting. Brothers, yeah, this, this, I didn't know what to make of this. I just saw it online, never heard of it. Look, cast looked interesting, had good reviews. I thought, okay, just on a whim, check this out. I really liked it. Yeah, me too. Like the uh, relationship between, like the three main characters is Portman, Jake Gyllenhaal and Toby Maguire. Mm. Like the relationship between them is so like interesting and complex. Really good watch. I think this is Toby Maguire's best performance. Yeah. Loved it. By a long like, way. It's so, um, can't think of the right word, but it's... Harrowing? Quite, like, so subtle. Yeah. Like, the yeah, the change in his personality. He's Yeah. Uh, so, he's in Afghanistan, basically. Yeah. And, and she's... Natalie Portman plays um, his, his wife. wife. Yeah. yeah. And he's away, and he's presumed dead, so she thinks he's dead. And Jake Gyllenhaal is playing... I think it's Gyllenhaal. I think that's a common mistake that people make. Jake oh, really? Gyllenhaal. Sorry, Jake. Um, it's a guy, people never no, seem to know which way to say it but anyway Jake mm-hmm. we'll say is his brother yeah. so he comforts her because he wants to help out and he's a bit of a fuck up of the family Yeah, and he wants to like help her and be there for her well, like, because yeah, her husband's dead and it's really sweet because like yeah he's like you know um, Toby Maguire's characters yeah they think they're all dead he yeah. just like kind of surprises her with like a kitchen makeover and yeah. he gets his mates over to like you know, and really bonds like with his niece, like their, their kid yeah. as well. Yeah, he takes care of the kids and stuff. And then... Um, so not to give too much away, but they you feel like there's a romantic element, maybe. But is it? Or I think are they just both in grief or what? Yeah, it's... It's left very like, much to your... I think the really great thing about this film is the ambiguity yeah, about that 100%. like relationship between them because like they're both like grieving for the loss of like one of the biggest people in their life and it's like really bizarre situation because i can imagine at the time like if he's in afghanistan like you don't really get any information you don't really get any like details you certainly don't get any romantic yeah exactly but it's even the funeral is like okay so he's not really here because he's like lost in action or whatever so like that Portraying that feeling in that situation, I think, was, like, amazing. Just say it, you know what I mean? All right, he told me I could borrow the car whenever I wanted, Grace. You look at me with this pissed-off look. Sam's dead. <laughs> he crashed. What are, you, what are you talking about? He's dead, Tommy. Come in, come in. fucking come in I just came here to drop off why didn't you call me huh? I've been trying to call you Wh- all night why didn't anybody call me we've all been trying Tommy so you're jumping back and forth in the film between this like is it romantic or is it just two people seeking like comfort in each other yeah and they're thrown they're kind of like thrown together because they kind of they don't, it's not tentatively know each other, but they, they, they don't intimately know each other at all. It's like kind of like 
yeah, you know, it's my husband's brother, but I kind of mm. have seen him a few times at Christmas. And the interesting but we don't thing really is, before he come across each other, before he goes to Afghanistan, yeah, her and the brother do not have a good relationship. Yeah, they are. They do not get on at all. Yeah, she really doesn't like him. She thinks he's like a fuck up. He's yeah. a drunk. Blah blah blah. And then he, they, they become close. Yeah. In the loss of that in like grieving, yeah. yeah. So it's that a relationship is really powerful, but then intermittently you're chucked into what actually Tobey Maguire's character is going through while he's kidnapped in Afghanistan, which is yeah. harrowing. Yeah. And you're it's, seeing the change in his character. Yeah. Torture. And it is is harrowing to see how he changes. And um, spoiler. I I would say if you're inter- if we've tickled your fancy. Watch it. Watch it. And I, I don't think we should give anything more away. Okay. I won't say anything more then. Yeah. It's so... The, like, relationship between all three characters is, like, so nuanced. Like, it's so It's very complicated. And powerful, but, yeah, in a really subtle way. Yeah. Like, it's really done well. Um, so definitely like this film a lot. Yeah. And like I say, I think this is Tobey Maguire's best performance. I am a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I think he's a really uh, underrated actor. I think he does a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. And he's great in this as well. Yeah. And uh, playing like quite a different character. Um, they're all playing quite different characters to what they normally play. I think that's what I liked about it as well. Mm. All three of them are playing quite different characters to their norm. Yeah. It was a really so. gripping watch. Yeah. Great. Really good film. Another gripping watch you watched, No Strings Attached. <laughs> Listen, we should keep this simple. I mean, maybe we should establish some ground rules. Ground rules? Good idea. Okay, well, we can start with no fighting, no lying. That's a good one. No jealousy, no staring deeply into each other's eyes. Don't miss me as your emergency contact. I won't come. Isn't that against your Hippocratic oath? Yeah. Yeah. I let you die. Oh, yeah? Hey, oh, one more thing. Don't call my penis cute. Even if it's dressed up like a Care Bear and it's giving you a Care Stare. Don't dress up your penis. (laughs) Ever. I didn't watch this. This was actually recommended. So this wasn't on our list. And then we're halfway through watching our films. Anthony Anderson, a regular sort of uh, contributor to the podcast, um, recommended this. Surprising contribution. Yeah, he said, he said, this is basically the same as Friends with Benefits. Yeah. But he thinks this one's better. Yeah, and you've watched Friends yeah. of Benefits. I, I've seen you. I've seen you watch Friends of Benefits <laughs> while I've been reading a book when we've stayed in the hotel before. Yeah, this is better. This was better. I think so. It's still just like a trashy chick flick, right? Like two people. She's got an agenda. He's kind of like swanning around doing fuck all because his dad's famous. So are they like they're just sleeping together? And he wants. A is bit it Friends more. of Benefits? But. Wait, the film was called Friends of Benefits, the other film. That's what I'm getting confused. This is called No Strings Attached. Right, so it's that Friends of Benefits. It's exactly the expression, not the film situation. Yeah. But it becomes complicated. Yeah, well, not really. He's just like... (laughs) This is not a complicated film. No. (laughs) It's like 100% chick flick, like mind-numbing material. I will say that I was recording another podcast while you were watching this. Yeah. And... um, I could hear you giggling in the background. <laughs> so you must have been enjoying it to some extent. Yeah, it was fun. It's like a good fun like watch, but I'm not saying it's like credible material. 
But it's interesting that she would do these sort of trashy films. Yeah, in it's between like these fun, like heavy like films. to watch. It's an easy watch and it's like good fun and you can tell she's just like having fun with it. Right. Um, so a cool. fun watch but not a masterpiece? No, no, definitely not a masterpiece. Do you think, based on what I've said, it's on par with or better than Mr. McGorham's Wunderbar Emporium? Different. How can you, how can you ever... <laughs> Um, compare a fucking kids movie to like a sex <laughs> a sex comedy <laughs> a sex comedy yeah <laughs> Mr. McGorham's Wunderbar Emporium um, Natalie Portman Aston Kutcher oh I'm off I'm out they're both fine in it it's mm. a pretty good fun watch like there is comedic value to this film okay I liked it S- sorry Anderson it's not my bag and I'm not I don't think I can tolerate watching a film with Aston Kutcher in I watched it I liked it thanks for the recommendation okay next there we go, thanks. Um, then she did Thor. Yes. So we just did. talk about her role as Jane Foster in the Marvel Universe. So we've chatted about this like over the years, like a few mm, times. No. Not on the pod. Oh. Just in like general. Oh, okay. Because um, this came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. Like way before the pod even started, obviously. Um, but just like her general like flip-flopping on this role. Oh, yeah. Just like she was in, she's out. She's in, she's out. She's like kind of up for it and she's not. And like you said, um, she's very like all or nothing sometimes mm. with roles. Um, so I looked into it actually. I was like, why did she get involved in this? Right. And she said that she thought the combination of... So Kenneth Branagh directed the first one. Yeah. So she thought the idea of Kenneth Branagh directing a superhero movie about Norse mythology was so absurd like a collection of things mm. that she just wanted Picture to be involved interest. in it right yeah because like what is that going to be like and yeah. I think a lot of people were thinking what, they, what is that going to be like when it happened yeah and originally her character so the character of Jane Foster Thor's girlfriend I guess scientist interest yeah um her character was originally much more dry in the script mm-hmm. just like a dry scientist type character Right. But Portman wanted her to be, as she put it, someone who thought outside the box. Yeah. And Which I think is why Thor, like as a character, would find her interesting because she kind of gets it. He's from another universe, for God's sake. Well, she... You um, can't have some dry scientists. Well, same like, universe, different realm. Well, okay, right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This ends is up- exactly what <laughs> I was trying to get against. Uh, this is why he would be interested in her because she does think outside the box and she's not just like a dry scientist who's like, um, you don't exist. But she kind of ends up being the opposite of dry. Like, she is kind of the comic relief in these yeah. first couple of films. Like, her and whether you love it or hate it, like, some people hate the Portman, Kat Dennings characters in these first two films, like the wacky comic relief characters. Yeah. And some people like them and... I don't know, these, especially the second Thor film, The Dark World, which a lot of people consider, like one of the weakest Marvel films. I know you like it. You're like yeah. the one person I know who likes that, that <laughs> film. Um, most people think it's the worst Marvel film, oh, The Dark cool. World, but I know you really like it. Just keep saying that over and over for the people at the back. It's fine. I don't mind don't it. don't find me weird. I don't mind it at all, actually. I think <laughs> Dark World is like unfairly maligned. It's fine. Yeah. Jane. Sorry, I just... Needed to make sure you were real. It's been a very strange day. I am. Jane, what? Where were you? Where were you? Heimdall could not see you. I was right here where you left me. I was waiting, and then I was crying, and then I went out looking for you. 
You said you were coming back. I know, I know, but the Bifrost was destroyed. The Nine Realms erupted into chaos. Wars were raging, marauders were pillaging. I had to put an end to the slaughter. As excuses go, it's not terrible. So originally the sequel, so the first one was directed by Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. The second one was supposed to be directed by Patty Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And when Patty Jenkins stepped down, creative differences, I think, she was really, Natalie Portman was really pissed off, basically. Right. And she actually threatened to not be in it, which oh, is quite, was troubling for the studio. Yeah. Reset up your character, we've got your part. Because uh, I think she was quite keen on this female director taking over. Yeah. Um, and, and, Patty Jenkins is a great filmmaker. She ended up doing Wonder Woman eventually. So she got to do a, a comic book movie eventually. Mm. Uh, but she did step down An from this. An amazing comic book movie. But she ended up, she did end up doing it, but then she didn't return for Thor 3. Yeah, which I think is why, like, her kind of presence on these ones is, like, a little bit um, not consistent. Like I find it kind of like, jarring. Yeah. When, when Thor, like, goes through everything he can for this woman that he loves in these films, and then the third one, he sort of, like, jokes that, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're separated, that sort of thing. It's like, well, this yeah, exactly. woman that you, like, like gave, sacrificed everything for, like, yeah. it's so, so thrown away. It's a bit inconsistent. And um, in terms of, like, the big picture of all of this, like, saga, it's frustrating. And it was, that's watch. why it was so surprising that she did actually turn up for Endgame because they wanted everyone they could to turn up for Endgame, yeah. Avengers Endgame. And she, they used footage of her leftover from Dark World, but she did come in to rely, record like just a line of dialogue just to be a part of this big thing. Mm. And she is returning for the next Thor film, but that's probably just because everyone wants to work with Taika Waititi and he's doing the next Thor film again. I feel like she's really... Like Natalie Portman as an actress is um, quite just intent on... She doesn't... I don't know. I don't know how to say this without kind of like just sounding like a total idiot, but like she's more intent on working with people she wants to work with yeah, to get, because she knows that she can get like amazing results as opposed to like sticking with something because she feels the obligation to. She'd rather just be like, if if she's not 100% happy, she'd rather just like not do it, which is like, I really respect that view, but then it is also like detrimental to the bigger picture of like, especially with this Marvel stuff. Like, to be fair, and like it kind of puts pressure on like the overall like story arc. I think what's tempted her back, aside from Taika, is I think she maybe like, thought of her. Enough? I think she thought maybe her character is just like a side comic relief character, right. which is kind of lame. And all the guys are the main characters, and she's like. Thor's girlfriend and Gwyneth Paltrow is Iron Man's girlfriend. Yeah. And like all these female characters are very sidelined. But but the next one, if it's following the comics, when we were recording this before it's come out, so there's speculation from what we've heard, is following the comic storyline of like Jane Foster becomes Thor. Yeah. And if that's the case, I can see why she would come back. If it's like you get to be Thor in the next one, you are Lady Thor. Yeah. Then I can see why she would want to come back yeah, and do that. Totally. But it's Especially just, we talked about her wanting to be role models to people and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just unfortunate that it's had like quite a turbulent like journey to get there and kind yeah. of a inconsistent one. But yeah, the Thor films, I think they're fun. Um I'm like I've said before, I actually I really do enjoy the Marvel films. I think they're big fun blockbusters that yeah. have a good storyline and I like the interweaving. Nothing's been done in cinema like them and I appreciate yeah. that. I um, think like I can understand why she'd find it frustrating, like just being like this 
playing second fiddle. And I feel like she like, was oh, really... just like the female bit part or whatever. Like from her perspective and like from what she's like come before, like stuff that she's done before mm. and like her morals and like, like um, I don't say beliefs, but like, you know, her like core values as it were. Like, I think that would be frustrating, but hopefully like moving forward, she can become like a more integral, integral, like powerful character in these saga. And I think she was really involved in it before it, had become what it is now mm. so we're still finding its feet and like she she was like is this good is this yeah. like trash but people really didn't know if this stuff was going to work which yeah, feels crazy true. now because it is like the most successful franchise ever yeah and i think now she's like oh, i actually want to be part of that again these, these films have got good again yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing her reprise her role in the next one and should be fun mm. so after that she had her directorial debut uh, Tale of Love and Darkness. Exactly. So this, like I said, she directed it. Yeah. And she was in it. Um, and it's all in Hebrew, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. I thought this was a um, really interesting film to watch. It was very interesting. I don't know how much I enjoyed it. Like, I don't know. I didn't. I thought it was good. Yeah. But I didn't necessarily. Yeah. It wasn't like. It's not a lie-hard film. It's hard it to say way. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't. I don't. I don't think I did enjoy it that much. But I did think it was good. Yeah. If you know. Yeah, what I mean. me too. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's a biography. It's a biography of Amos Oz um, and his youth, uh, who is an Israeli writer, mm. and she plays his mother. His mother, yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's all in Hebrew, uh, which is something that she really like fought for. Yeah. Um, the producers wanted this to be in English, but. You know, she said this is about an Israeli writer. It's set and filmed in Jerusalem. It's where she's from. It's where she's born. Yeah. So I think she was quite passionate about this being in Hebrew and eventually won that battle. Yeah. And yeah, like we said, it's an interesting film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's an interesting watch. Um, I think it's interesting because like you're seeing, like in the film, you're kind of seeing like two battles, really. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the Palestine... Is it like independence, I think? Mm, like they're you're fighting getting for like the Jewish independence. independence and the Palestine wars going on as yeah. the back, in the backdrop, yeah. But you're also seeing her kind of like internal struggles with kind of like mental health. Definitely. we get You get like a real deep look. At first you're like, what's wrong with her? And then you just piece it together like, oh, she has like serious like depression. Yeah. And it's a film. So it's, it's about Amos Oz's youth, but really it's about his mother's depression. Yeah. As alongside and growing up and him watching like events surrounding their life like perpetuate yeah. it and the unpredictability of his mum's emotions yeah um in kind of like a not like a strict um social atmosphere but that like you can't really ask for help like and that kind of thing well, there's it's too very, much going on yeah it's um it's it's a strange situation to be growing everyone up everyone has in. to be like fine Mental health isn't a thing. No. Um, they're in war. They're at war. They're at war. Yeah. So all of these like events surrounding her kind of like perpetuate um, her decline. Mm. And I did think it was well directed, especially because yeah. this is her like directorial debut. It's her first go at directing. I did think it was nicely directed. Mm. Um, and I did think she was good in it. Like a, it's a complex character. There's some really stunning, like artistically stunning, like shots mm. that are like 
ref like reference back. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's interesting to just the novelty as well. Like on a, a simple factor, it's, it's a novelty to see her acting in Hebrew. Yeah, like see her speak Hebrew, like her, her native tongue, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, naively, I don't really know any other films that no. are like filmed in Hebrew. I think it's the only film ever watched. Yeah. In Hebrew, and I watch a lot of world cinema, but I've never watched like a film in Hebrew. And it's like a really beautiful language to listen to. I actually really love yeah, listening like to the rhythm of the, yeah. the language. Yeah. I thought it had like a really like beautiful like candor to it mm. and timber to it as mm. I listened. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I liked it. I thought it was really good. It's hard to explain what I thought about it. Like I thought it was very, very good, but it wasn't. It's, I don't it's know. the same. It's like one of those films that like is. An extremely good film, but it wasn't en- enjoyable to watch because of the um, content. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like the look of it as well. Like the colour mm. and like the, you know, the symbol, the symbology of that. Mm. Um, yeah, really interesting. I think it's quite subtle. I'm a language student as well. And there was a lot of talk of language in this film mm. because obviously Amos Oz is it's about him as a child but he grew up to be a writer and his dad in it is a writer and his yeah. dad is very interested in language and he's constantly giving him these lessons of language and this word comes from this and the roots of language which well, I is think, what I study so that element of it was really interesting to me I think um correct me if I'm wrong but I think that is like really important in Hebrew mm. because it is like the symbology of their language, like make like this word and this word make this word, and like I don't know, but the way he was talking about it in the film made me feel that way. Yeah, and yeah. all the references to like poets and things like mm. that, um, and like yeah, there was a lot of like Hebrew poetry read and, in like, the film, which was and nice. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it was definitely really interesting, and I do like it's one I would recommend that people watch, even if they wouldn't enjoy it. It's like a good watch. And she's great in it. Like, Natalie Portman is fantastic. And I think really, she's like, like, she portrays this character who's extremely strong and extremely vulnerable at the same time. Mm. And I think that's really, like, quite difficult um, to portray. And she does it really, really well. Mm. Um, And I loved watching how she kind of, like, how her character kind of evolved um yeah yeah so, uh so that was good so yeah we got Tale like of love and darkness four films left to go through so uh jane got a gun yeah this was a real troubled production i'm pretty sure the director like just walked out or like didn't oh, turn shit. up or something there was some problems with the director and someone else had to pick it up and oh, it was God. delayed and all sorts of mess it's a miracle that it ever came out let alone was like a coherent film yeah. But it's not a great film. It's very... It's, like, fine. Yeah. It it felt like the middle of it Yeah, was a slog. Yeah. Like, it opened fine. The whole middle of this film was just, like, a slog. Yeah. And the end was good. Yeah. I like the um, redeeming features of the film were it's a Western with a female protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some good actors in it. And she's, she teams up with... Who's in it with her? Who's like the main... Uh, Joel Egerton. Joel Egerton, yeah. Is like her ex. Yes. And he's a bit of like a... Is he like a drunk he's, or he's a bit of like a... He's bitter about being her ex that she was with, she's with another man. Yeah. And he she has basically has to call on him to help her 
defend her husband who's dying. Yeah. So it's like, help me defend the man I left you for. Yeah. Which is interesting because, as a dynamic. Because uh, McGregor's character. So them teaming up is, after Star Wars. Yeah, it's coming after me. Yeah. And it's, it's fun seeing Ewan McGregor playing a baddie. <laughs> with dark hair. I don't think I've ever seen Ewan yeah, McGregor with dark I hair. I don't know what I thought to it, but... You count because I still got a pair of bullets and a question that I ain't gonna ask again. It's not an, it's not a great film. Let's put it that way. No. Like it's fine. It's a good it's like an okay Western, if you like Westerns. Yeah. Like the shootout at the house is fine, it's alright. It's yeah. a fun shootout. But other than that, like it's a pretty forgettable film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that, though, was a big, big film, Oscar-nominated film. Jackie. Yeah, and a, f- um, a fave of Emma Apps, who has, I do a podcast with, one of my fellow podcast hosts. Yeah. By the time this comes out, has our podcast started? Not quite. Uh, Soon-to-be podcast host. Yeah. Um, I love this film. Yeah. It's I great. know you really enjoyed this. Um, again, like historical yeah. like drama. Um, she plays Jackie Onassis, uh, JFK's, Jackie yeah, wife. Um, and it's basically like set directly after the death. It's like during the events and then the aftermath of the death of JFK. JFK. And it's her being interviewed by a guy played by Billy Crudup. Yeah. And so you're, you're going back and forth between that interview and her dealing like the with events. the events of the assassination of JFK. Yeah. You'll have to share something personal eventually. People won't stop asking until you do. And if I don't, they'll interpret my silence however they want. Her brow furrows. Her lips are drawn. She holds back her tears, but she can't hide her anger. Most writers want to be famous. You want to be famous? No, I am fine as I am, thank you. You should prepare yourself. This article will bring you a great deal of attention. Oh, in that case, any advice for me? Yes. Don't marry the president. <laughs> Are you afraid I'm about to cry again? No, I, I say you're more likely to scream. Scream what? My husband was a great man. And Jackie O, Jackie Kennedy, whatever, she has a very distinct voice. Yeah. That's hard to replicate. Yeah. So this was a real tough job for uh, Natalie Portman to sort of try and Take match. On that, yeah. So it was a lot of preparation and work mm-hmm. to do this voice. Yeah. Which I think she did really well. Yeah. Really amazing performance. And yeah, every, all the cast and crew were super impressed by her performance. Mm. They, the, the word that kept going I, from many people that I read sort of and bits of bits of research said they were like enraptured by her whenever she was on set mm. and in character. It she comes across in the character. On, on screen as well. Yeah. She's quite... Um, she commands the screen. Like she's basically yeah. on... I think, if I remember rightly, I might be wrong, I think she's in like every shot. I think it was like any scene that wasn't involving her, they just cut. And it's like, no, right. that's just... She is... We're on her all the time. Yeah. We're following her, how she's dealing with the situation. Like, it feels like that as well. It it's feels very like, up close um, and personal. Yeah. Like almost like... Um, K 
candy. Like the press, like hounding, like mm. all the time. And you're like always voyeuristically viewing her and how she's dealing with the situation. Yeah. And even in her moments of privacy, you're there as a viewer, like yeah. on her. And the camera's always on her and close up and yeah. following. Yeah. I thought it was a very good film, really good performance. I, like I said, she must have had to do so much preparation and research. Well, I know she did because I've read it, but you yeah. can tell. Yeah, it really comes across. And I think um, she was just like incredible in it, basically. like I think this is one of my favorite Portman performances. I think it's one of her best performances. Yeah. And she was incredibly intimidated to take it on, but really wanted to. Mm. So she put in the work to get it right. Yeah, um, definitely a good watch. She was great in it. Yeah. And I've, I find that part of American history really interesting. Mm. Um, like the assassination of JFK and, and all the stuff surrounding that I find really interesting. But it's so um, refreshing to see it from another perspective. Because mm. um, she was at, like, she was as much a public figure and a, like a, a renowned figure in history as, as JFK himself. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see it from her perspective. And I think towards the end as well, kind of just get like brushed under the rug a little bit. Just like, mm. okay, so you're not in the picture anymore. And but like, then the press hounded her for long after when she remarried, when she became Jackie Onassis. Like, yeah. she was still in the press. Like, she never escaped that. Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah, she was great. Yeah. Definitely definitely a key Portman watch. Yeah. 100% I recommend this. Mm. Like, this isn't necessarily my sort of film, but I definitely recommend this. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to... Ooh. This is what I've been waiting for. Annihilation. Annihilation. Right. This might be my favorite film of the last five years. This is a couple of years, years later. So like she did some like TV and stuff in 2017, 2018. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years since Jackie. Yeah. And then she appears in Annihilation. Love it. Um, which is, she plays a biologist. Yeah. It's an all, it's a team all of female parts. scientists yeah. exploring something called the Shimmer. Yeah. A sort of, a closed off section of wilderness with this like sort of shimmering bubble mm -hmm. over it where time is is warped and yeah. biology is churning into each other like it's like an anomaly right it's basically a horror film like yeah it's a very cosmic horror it's very lovecraftian and like this has this has me written all but over it's it. quite um like the general aesthetic of the whole film is quite light. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful but terrifying. And that's what I love so much about it. It's yeah. such, it is so jarring and juxtaposing this beautiful imagery, like flowers blooming mm. and like the wonder of nature, like combining into these bizarre, like crashing together. Yeah, just yeah. mashing together into the beautiful, like new forms of flora yeah. into the most horrifying with like, you know, Bits bear creatures and... with no skin on their face with human skulls growing out of the side of them, like yeah. horrific imagery. Yeah. Some of the most horrific imagery I've seen on film and some of the most beautiful imagery I've seen on film together. Yeah. Into something that's indescribable. And there's like a dance sequence with a flipping alien thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's got everything. Like I love the, I love this film so much. Yeah. I was surprised that you watched it. Yeah. Because it's so horrific. I think um, it hi like that kind of side of it hides behind the um, aesthetic, like nature of the whole film though. Mm -hmm. Like it's quite unsuspecting and then it really like grabs you by surprise with yeah. that kind of like 
yeah, like just stuff mashed together that should not be. Just the idea, like the ideas it presents mm. of like the idea of just like organisms melding. Yeah. Is terrifying to the point where one of the characters looks down at their finger, at their hands, and their fingerprints are swirling, like their own body is twisting. Yeah. And they're like, what's happening to me? Yeah. And they've just got to keep going. Yeah. And that idea of looking down at your hands and seeing your own fingerprints like changing as you look at them it's is such really a subtle scary. and disconcerting. <laughs> it's really scary. Like thought, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a great cast. Like we said, it's an all like female team of scientists. You've got um, Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, um, Jennifer Jason Lee, is that her name? Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, who's great in it as Gina well. Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez, yeah, it's a great cast. Yeah. Great cast. And you've got Oscar Isaac as well, who's Mm -hmm. really great and directed by Alex Garland, Hmm. who makes interesting and unique films. Like this is, if you can't tell, this is a real fave of mine. (laughs) It's just like nothing else. No. Like it's so unique. And if it clicks with you, so many people I I, I talk to on Twitter are like, if this clicks with you, this becomes like an all-time favorite of yours. Yeah. And for some people, just, it just, they don't care. It's a bit marmitey. Yeah. We have to go back. We have to go back now. She's right. I I really don't know how much more right she has to be. Okay. And I agree with you. We should go back. Good. Okay, great. There we go. Okay, so the three of us can just pack up our... Hold on. We should go back. Yes, but it took us, what, six days to get here? And the coast is two days away. You're saying that we get out by going deeper in? Yeah, if you like, yeah. Like? No, I don't like. This isn't some tactic to get us to the lighthouse, is it? I believe that the coast is the best route out. Okay? When they show this her test screening, mm. they all hated it. Really? The test screenings for this hated it. Uh, Paramount, who were putting this out, were concerned. Oh, it's a shame. They said, you know, this is too intellectual. This is too complicated. Oh. We want you to change it. No faith. Come on. We need you to change the ending. We need you to change this film. And uh, basically, they said, no, not changing it. This is the film. And put it out. It bombed. In America, like, it lost so much money. In the rest of the world, it went straight to Netflix. Right. Which is how we saw it. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe this is on Netflix. Back when films of this caliber weren't direct to Netflix. Now we see things like The Irishman go straight to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. They They complained that Portman's character wasn't sympathetic enough. Right. But... She doesn't need to be. Like, that's just not her character. Yeah. It's it's weird, isn't it? It's like, I don't know. I think that's like a moot point, to be honest. If a, I don't know. I don't understand that. Anyway. But yeah, I've... I've uh, I love this film so, so, so much. This is one of my favourite films of the last five years, like I've said. I, mm. This hits everything. It's such like me. a unique vision. Mm. Um, and it's based on like a book. It. I've never read the book. I know it veers quite... Of like, course. Of course, from the book. Mm. The The guy the alex garland he said he read the book and then he didn't reread it it. and he said this is like the way he remembers the book he wanted to make his own thing but loosely based on that Mm. so it veers away from the book quite dramatically which some people don't like Mm. but he wanted it to be its own thing as well and the book is the first part of a trilogy of books Mm -hmm. called like uh zone x or something like that i can't remember what it's called but that it's, the, it's basically an adaptation of the first book in that series, but mm-hmm. a real loose adaptation. Yeah. And yeah, I would be interested to read those books. If you like weird kind of sci-fi 
stuff, very arty and interesting visually. Give this a watch. I love it. Love it. So uh, last one, we watched one more. Next one is Vox Lux. Go, what did you Same think? Same year. Um, I found this hard to watch mm-hmm. because um, I think the character, Natalie Portman basically plays a kind of superstar. She was like a child kind of like singer, superstar. Yeah, child star. She grew up too quickly. Um, and I think watching her play that character like grated on me just because I find it like really frustrating to watch somebody who's like super, the, her character's like really like entitled. It's not her fault. Like she's thrown into these circumstances that. We get the film in two halves, first of all. Yeah. So we have a child actor yeah. playing the character for the yeah, first I half really of the film. Yeah, I really liked that kind of like flip. So, like, you don't see Natalie Portman. Until halfway through the film. Yeah. At least. So, you suddenly jump from a child actor to, like, this is her, you know, 20 years later or however yeah. many years later. She's an adult. She's been superstar her whole life and how it's affected her. Yeah. And it's like a look at the pop industry, basically, and how yeah. it can destroy people. This is a culmination of my life's work so far. You know, we worked on it for two years before bringing it to the public. Uh, why, why two years? Well, the year before that, I was under a lot of stress after my accident. And it's an expensive show to put on. I I wanted to make sure all the best people became available. You know, I wanted all my best dancers back. With the decision to kick things off in New Brighton, you must have considered the event like a a homecoming resurgence since the accident and the arrests were uh, causing serious injury by dangerous driving. Injury, not serious injury. And I never stopped making music, so I don't consider it a resurgence. You know, I just wanted a place to channel all that anxiety and suffering into something tangible, into something positive. Mm-hmm. Well, then can you shed any light on why the case was abruptly dropped? I see what you're doing. <laughs> no, well, you brought it up. I'm, I'm not going to say abruptly anything, okay? Listen, there are three classifications of gunshot wounds to the spine. I'm type three, which means that the bullet is lodged in my intervertebral disc space. Now, type three injuries are further subdivided into A, spinal injury without perforation of abdominal viscera, and B, spinal lesions with perforation of abdominal organs. Now, thankfully, I'm type A, but it's no secret that I'm on meds for my injury and I never should have been behind the wheel of a car that night. Josie! You know, I didn't mean to upset you by that. I no. used to be treated like I was a hero. And then they start talking about me like I'm trailer trash. But that's what this show is about. It's about rebirth. So um, she, Natalie Portman's character is played by uh, Rafi Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a young, so her character's called uh, Celeste. Yeah, that's right. And she actually plays her daughter as well. When you jump forward, yeah, that child I actor liked. then plays her daughter, which I thought was quite um, cool. Which is really cool. So yeah, she's it's like all about her like growing up in um, kind of like the media on that kind of like fame, like circuit trail kind of thing. And it's Drew Law again. Yes. Who's her like manager. manager, yeah. So that's quite difficult to watch. And like, I don't know, I just find it frustrating people taking getting taken advantage of sort mm. of but that's the industry um that her character like grows up in and she's quite young when she got like discovered sort of um her sister played by like stacy martin mm-hmm. um is quite like prominent throughout mm. like she was there at the beginning and like you see well, her she writes all the songs stuff. yeah she's the real talent but they like to use 
Natalie Portman's character, she's like the Celeste younger, as the star, yeah. because she's the one who uh, this opens of quite a shocking presentation yeah. of a school shooting. Yeah. So like, well, that was quite jarring to watch, and she's, she's like, like a survivor of that. Yeah. And so she writes a song, or her sister writes a song, which she performs. Well, they it. write it together, kind of. Yeah. She, yeah, they perform it. It's all like broadcast on TV because it's like this about this shooting and stuff. And she kind of gets. It's about the pop industry using tragedy um, to, for like, to like monetary be- monetary gain. Yeah. Yeah. And using a child in that way. So, like, you don't really see that much of like the kind of underbelly no. of the industry. But then it in the middle, it kind of like jumps and then yeah. she's older and it's Natalie Portman and this you kind of get a glimpse under the surface. She's pretty like... Haggard and like her life is... She looks older than she is. Yeah. And, and she's like... Her life is very like kind of... Um, but she's emotionally unbalanced. Yeah, I want to say... What's it like when you shatter something? It's like all in pieces. like Fragmented. Yeah, fragmented. And it's really, like, you've definitely um, empathized with her. Mm. And you kind of understand why she is like she is. And she's trying to maintain a relationship with her daughter. And she and she also is all about, like, how basically fucked up she is behind yeah. the scenes. But then when she gets up on stage, everyone loves her. And she puts on an amazing show and all this yeah. stuff. And But all the time, the press are hounding oh. her. Everyone's hounding her. And it's... So I'm thinking, sitting here thinking... I've written here that I really love this film and I can't remember why based on what we're talking about. Right. There's a weird twist in this. Yeah. Which made me fucking love the film. Right. And it's kind of like a, like a stealth horror film almost. Yeah. Like it's filmed like a horror film. It yeah. reminds me of something like an It feels Ari, like really foreboding it, the whole it, time. It feels like an Ari Aster film. It feels like Hereditary or something the way it's mm. filmed. And all the way through, I was like, this feels uneasy. Like, it feels like a horror film, even yeah. though it's about a pop star. Yeah. And when it ends, you're sort of just left there thinking to yourself, like, oh, that was a weird film. Yeah. But it, it just, the whole way through feels like a horror film. And yeah. And it, it ends on this weird... Anticlimax, kind of. Kind of, but also like a... It puts a seed of another thought in your head of like, maybe this is what you've been watching. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know. I actually ended up really fucking loving this film actually i really liked it it's an uneasy watch yeah but it's kind of gripping yeah so her husband who she met on black swan as a choreographer said that he worked on this film as well Uh they worked got to work together on this film cool and her whole section so basically like we say it's the second half of the film is where she's playing celeste natalie portman yeah um but it's really only like a couple of scenes they're just really long it's like her in a hotel freaking out her in a restaurant talking to her daughter mm. her freaking out backstage before she goes on stage and then her performing yeah and that's it it's like four scenes she filmed all of that in 10 days so she just came on and smashed out half this it film it feels in 10 like days. really um, erratic yeah erratic and like um yeah that's kind of like the best word for it i guess mm. like just like really quick and like pressured like mm. that she she's under pressure she's doing this like um in the hotel she's doing a interview and then like kind of she's quite she wears her heart on her sleeve kind of thing and she'll just say whatever she wants to say mm. and her managers are kind of always a bit on like 
eggshells around it and stuff yeah and yeah sometimes you can say too much and careful what you say to the press all, yeah there's all kind of like this stuff where she gets her, she, like she trips over her own feet she gets herself in trouble when she says something and it's all like kind of like just like really messy she's brash yeah yeah and she's been in the industry so long she's kind of like all of the she thinks she's untouchable as well and, yeah she's quite arrogant yeah but then is that because of the industry i think or is it because she you know twist plot bleep all twist. that but like oh my god i actually was so surprised at how much this has stayed in my memory and yeah i the the this the 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 subtle nods as to what's actually going on has just stayed in my mind and captured like without, my imagination of you can do a weird horror film without it being a horror film at all yeah without the plot twist um this would have been if you want to call good. it that well, yeah, okay, so we're just going to call it that, but... About the implied suggestion of something else happening. Yeah, without that other kind of, like, possibility. Mm. Like, this film's really interesting and, like, definitely shines a light on that whole industry mm. and how um, kind of, like, messy and difficult it, it all is. But then just that added layer... It really took me by surprise gripping. how much I actually liked it. Yeah. Um, so And um, to come out in the same year as Annihilation, like, give me, like, Portman, do these weird films... Yeah. This is what I want. Do more of these weird films was, that are made for me. Honestly, like, I've never seen... Also, I've, I don't think I... This is, like, a really unique role. Like, I've never... I don't think I've ever seen anybody play, like, someone like this as well as, mm. like, Portman has. Um, Just, like, the kind of, like, pop fame, like, industry. Yeah. It's almost it like really if Madonna well. was crazy behind the scenes. If. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So amazing. So there we are up to date. So we're going to have a, a quick break now. We're going to think about our favourites, yeah. our, work out our top four, mm-hmm. and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about our favourite four films. And hash it out. And talk about if we're going to be changing those four known falls on IMDb. Cool. See you in a second. So, mm. we decided. This is really tough. It was. So I've narrowed my top four down into five, six, seven. <laughs> okay. I've got like my known four, like my personal ones. Your I'm, four? Yeah, I'm pretty confident. You've got them? Yeah. Well, it was easy for you? Yeah. Well, you go first then. If you know what yours is and it was easy, you go first. Like my... Okay. Mm, yeah, okay. Right, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. In no particular order. Yes. My favourite personal Natalie Portman favourites are... Mm-hmm. Black Swan. Yeah. The Other Berlin Girl. Ooh. I think she was great in that. Okay. I know it's not your favorite film, mm. but I think she gave a really awesome performance. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. Brothers. Yeah. And Jackie. Mmm. Okay. Yeah. And I chose them, I think, because they're all films I really enjoyed watching, and her performance in them particularly were all unique and like right. very gripping and interesting mm-hmm. so there you go they're mine interesting what, your, only your one we've only got one that's the same oh really what in our personal ones yeah yeah um, is it jackie no 
Oh. So the one that's the same oh, is as Black it? Swan. Black Swan, yeah. So, yeah, Black Swan. Yeah. Yes. You know, no surprises, Annihilation. Right, yeah, I knew. The, uh, the reason I, I love that film, but the reason I didn't chose it is because I it's more of an ensemble. Oh, uh, yeah, but she is the main character. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Anyway. She's the only one. Continue. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, then my next one, I know... This isn't a great film. Right. Okay. I know. It's good pleasure. But I have s- such a fondness for it. Go on. The Phantom Menace. Right. Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Okay. We had Someone had to put it in there somewhere. Yes. And then, the so there were my, like, you know, Easy. in with a lock, those four. Yeah. And those three, sorry. And then my number four, it's between four films. <laughs> Only a small few to um, narrow down. I actually think I'm going to go for V for Vendetta. Ah, nice. That was a close one for yeah. me. I think I really like her character in it. Like yeah. I said before, I think she is a very compassionate character, which I like. And I love seeing her kind of open her eyes. And change throughout the film, yeah. yeah. It was between that, uh, Brothers, mm. Leon, which is a classic, yeah. and Vox Lux, which was a, a real yeah. surprise. But V just Lots. just swings it for me. There's lots of good ones up there. Yeah, there's so this was so hard. There's so many great films. Yeah. I think um you know we always say like what are the like tropes mm. of like um actors and actresses that we yeah. watch. I think Natalie Portman's is versatility. Yeah. Like she doesn't fall into one particular like genre or like style. Her like, thing you can bank on with Natalie Portman is she's super versatile. Mm, surprisingly so. Mm. So now we've got to work out our own thoughts. Yeah. So I've got this list down to one, two, three, four, mm. five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so I only have like three on here because I couldn't decide. So what are you, you, so you've got three that you're like, oh, they should definitely be on there. Yeah. But what are they? Okay, so these are my known for. So these are my choices that I think that should replace IMDb. And, and just to refresh, her current known fours on IMDb are Leon. Closer, Black Swan and V for Vendetta. And v for, okay, right. So I agree with Black Swan. Yes, that should, think, 100% that should yeah. be on there. We both had it on our favourites. Everyone knows it's a great film. Yeah. She won an Oscar for it. This is the one that is, this is she's it's shooing. It's on there. Yeah. I also... Agree with V for Vendetta. Okay. I think that's genuinely... Generally. Genuinely. I think it's genuinely an important film. Right. And she is great in it. Okay. Um, and I think it's quite... Like, it's known for. Like, it's very famous. Mm-hmm. And I also think she sh- should have Jackie up there. Right, okay. Because she... It's like a massive performance for her. Like you said, every scene has got her in it, mm-hmm. surrounding her. She plays an extremely important and um, difficult character to play. Mm-hmm. It's a super unique performance, um, and I think that should be up there. Okay. So, uh, Jackie... <laughs> Out I, of the rest of yours, do I do definitely up? agree Black Swan and Jackie should be on there. Right. Okay. So, we're keeping them. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, not for death, well, maybe, maybe. Okay. I'm not saying no. Right. Um, so should we drop closer off of that? Yeah. I think she's done... Like, that was a really ensemble piece anyway. Yeah. I think she's got more prominent roles than other things. Yeah. I don't know so why that's up there. let's drop that. Um, I've got, like, things on here that I'm not necessarily, like, crazy about. Are you keeping Leon? May- well, we'll come to it. I've got mm. Garden State as a maybe on here. Mm. 
But I don't think it should really. I just was trying to think of films that she's like known for, but I don't think it's a good film, but I don't think she's an, right an outstanding film. performance. Yeah, I think I let's strike that straight away. I got Tale of Love and Darkness just because it's a directorial and yeah. acting and it's different and it's That's in Hebrew. That's a good one. But then again, will the masses love it? No, I don't I think I should strike it off. But well, the general public won't appreciate it being up there. The other Sorry. ones I've got on it, Leon, just because it's such a famous film, it's such like mm. this she was like 12 when she was in this. It's her debut, yeah. Yeah, like I do it think maybe quite, that should be on she there. She's quite good in it, yeah. Okay. The other one I've got on here is a maybe. Like, maybe she should be known for this, maybe she shouldn't. I don't know what she would think, but the Star Wars prequels are quite important. Yeah, I really um, thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what, like, you have to put one up. It would be number three. Right. It's her favourite of the three, and it's the one that she gets to do the most in. Yeah. She's the one that has like the most emotion in it. Mm. Like we said, number one, she just gets to be wooden and has her voice lowered. Number two, she has bad romance scenes and like just some action scenes. Number three, she actually gets to put some emotion in. Yeah. So if it was going to be one of them, it would be number three. I feel like, um, obviously, if you haven't heard of Star Wars, they're a bit famous. It's a massive, massive role for her. Yeah. But then... But is she better than it? Has she moved beyond it? Yeah. Is that like something fun and she's actually way more credible? Should it be in there as like, oh, and she's in Star Wars, that's a big deal. Yeah. Or is it like, she's better than Star Wars? But I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars as well. And it breaks my heart, but I don't think she's known for it, honestly. I don't I don't think of Star Wars and think of Natalie Portman. Because she, think sh- of more she of shook like it. N- Ewan McGregor. Really? Ewan McGregor makes those prequels. Oh, me. yeah. He's the best part of the prequels. Yeah. I think everyone knows that. And I think she is... I think she'd be... Hope. She'd be happy to hear that she's done better stuff and I think that she should be known for other stuff. So really... So we're definitely saying Black Swan and Jackie. Yeah. Are we saying Leon? Are we saying V for Vendetta? It's basically like we choose two out of the three of V for Vendetta... Star Wars Episode 3 and Leon. Mm. Which are the two out of them three that That's we go for? That's a tough call, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've got V for Vendetta down here. So you're leaning on V and I've I've got Leon. Yeah. So maybe we should just go with those two and leave Star Wars out <sighs> of it. It's a it shame. It breaks my heart to leave Star Wars. But she's not the main character. No, I know. But she kind of is quite an important yeah. character. Like, she's like... The mother of Darth Vader. There's, there's, there's three main characters. It's her, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. Yeah. do you want to move out i think leon is so important yeah right so you think okay so basically it's okay so we're keeping leon so it's black swan jackie leon and either v for vendetta or star wars i think so so what do you think v for vendetta or star wars they're both in my top four yeah so i don't know it's tough isn't it this one's really hard this is this might be the hardest one we've done And I'm not even going to entertain trying to like argue annihilation in there because I know it's not everyone's bag, baby. But then also, I know that Star Wars isn't everyone's bag. Again, like an ensemble piece. She's the main character in Annihilation. She's not the main character in Star Wars, though. But she's one of the three main characters in Star Wars. But I think she's the main character in V for Vendetta. Ye- yes, she is. Yeah. So therefore, I think that swings it. Do you want to toss a coin on it? All right. We've it's done really that. Be- we've done that before. Right. Let me go and get one. <laughs> this, this is, is so tough. This is so tough. 
I don't feel like we're going to come to an agreement, though. Right, here's a Tails. Uh, Tails. So, Tails v is Vendetta. Vendetta. Heads, Heads is, Star is Star Wars Episode 3. Yeah. It's Tails. Hey! You won every toying cost, I swear. Okay, so the Gnome Fours are... Black Swan. Leon. Jackie. And V for Vendetta. So, we only changed one of them. We swapped yeah. out closer for Jackie. Yeah. And let's just refresh. What were your top four? Black Swan, the other Berlin girl, Brothers, and Jackie. And mine were Annihilation, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, <laughs> Black Swan, for your sins, and V for Vendetta. Nice. Um, any other ones that were like close for you? Mm. I know I've already said that Leon, Vox Lux, Brothers were all really close to mm. me. I think Thor's an important one to mention because I think it's going to be quite important to I watch it in the future might be yeah. like it would be up for contention yeah, from the exactly. way it's sounding yeah um vox lux was really close mm-hmm. up there really good but i think i didn't shoot i it didn't come up for me because she's only half of it and vox lux is not a loved film like this is a really contentious yeah. film some people really just hated that film star wars obviously mm-hmm. up there for both of us if you had to pick one which one would have would have been for you I think I agree with you, like, number three. Well, I actually um, went for number one, but... Yeah, but for her performance, number right, three. Okay. Um, She's older. Mm-hmm. Her character's got more gravitas, and she's got more... She's just got a lot more stuff. I think all the actors are having more fun by number three. Yeah. After the bad reception to number one, a lot of people were, like, down on number mm. two, and they weren't having fun. Yeah. And then by number three, like, from what I've heard from Ewan McGregor as well, he was like, oh, we're just having big fun on that film. Like, it's the last one, let's so we'll just have some fucking fun. I think also it's, like, really hard. We, we mentioned this in other um, episodes, like, acting across from, like, nothing in yeah. a fucking green, stream, green screen must have been yeah. just, like, soul-destroying. Just been like, oh, great, I'm imagining a fat alien again. Wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely another one to mention, A Tale of Love and Darkness. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hope you liked our episode on Natalie Portman. What a variety of films. Like, this was such a variety. Definitely, after watching all this, um, opened my eyes and a new love and appreciation for Portman. Definitely. And, like, she's still relatively young. Like, she still has a career ahead of her. Ooh. What? (laughs) She's still relatively young. Yeah. Ouch. As an actress, like, she has a whole career ahead of her still. What are you talking about? (laughs) Don't talk about a woman's age like that. Well, she's not 20. Yeah, she's because she started acting so young. She's still she's done so much, pretty young, yeah. and she has this whole career. But she still has the potential to do so much more as well. Mm. I feel like she's going in the right direction for what she like likes and enjoys as well. Mm. Like stuff that interests her, stuff that she's passionate about, stuff that she like advocates for, mm. and like empowers her and like other like young women as well um she's i feel like she's really driven yeah like for that purpose as well like she really wants to inspire like we mentioned throughout like younger um young women so um yeah excited to see more stuff from her definitely yeah but then i've seen reports where she's like oh yeah i'll probably be a doctor when i get older so maybe she'll stop acting altogether to become a doctor which would be weird uh who knows but uh, yeah, really, really interesting bunch of films. Yeah. Um, so next up, we're doing Brad Pitt. Yes. As you've already said, um, we're all we're smashing through those Brad Pitt films. Yeah. We're like nearly done. So if you have a suggestion, get it in quick because we're going to be recording that soon. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we're actually foregoing your next choice. Yeah. Um, so in between this episode and the last one uh, was the tragic passing of the actor Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. So I floated it on Twitter um, as to we were considering doing sort of a career retrospective mm. um, of all the films that he's been in. Um, and that seems like people will be up for that. So I think that's what we're yeah. going to do after Brad Pitt. So it'll be Brad Pitt. And then after that, it's going to be Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, and hopefully like his last film will be out by then. Like his, his last film is in production now. Uh, mm-hmm. Ma Raimi's Black Bomb. That's coming to uh, Netflix. It's a Netflix movie with him and Viola Davis, mm-hmm. who I also love. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully by the time we do that episode, that's out. Yeah. And then we can do an entire career retrospective. Um, So that will be coming after the Brad Pitt one. Yeah, cool. So if you have suggestions, obviously we're going to watch all the Chadwick Boseman films. If you have suggestions for the Brad Pitt one or you want to get in contact in any way, you can do so at knownforpod at Mm gmail.com or go to knownforpod.com. What is it? Knownforpod.com. I always forget. Knownforpod.com. We always forget this for some reason. Yeah, knownforpod. Knownforpod.com. There we go. That's knownforpod.com. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Bob Shoy. That's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. And remember that name because if you do uh, bobshoy.bandcamp.com, you can buy bonus episodes of Four and One More. As you've heard on this feed before, other ones of those, we did Quentin Tarantino films, Steven Spielberg films, Christmas films and Pixar films are all on there. You can buy like an album of those episodes and they're all really fun. And you can support my time editing this as well as my other podcasts at patreon.com slash bobshoy as well as B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. Very shortly when this comes out, I will have a new podcast launching. So if you remember a little while ago on this feed, we did an episode about The Simpsons for one more, which was really fun. In fact, it was so much fun and so popular um, that I got chatting to one of uh, my regular listeners, Emma, and me and her are launching our own Simpsons podcast based on that format. So soon, as of the beginning of October, there will be another new podcast with me and Emma uh, called The Simpsons for and one more. Yeah. where we go season by season through the classic years of The Simpsons. Uh, it's going to be a limited series. It's going to run for about a year. And alternately, the episodes are going to be, you know, series by series of The Simpsons and then in between, you know, other top fours of Simpsons things, mm. favorite characters, favorite songs, favorite quotes, all that stuff. It's going to be really good fun. We've already recorded a handful of episodes and we can't wait to get it out. It's uh, sounding really good as well. Yeah. And under the umbrella... Of uh, the Bob Shoy Podcast Network. Yeah, so um, I've been involved in so many different podcasts now, it's easier to just to do it all in one place. So mm. head to bobshoy.com. Yeah, bobshoy.com is my name again. Links to all the stuff. So uh, Weird Tales and the Unexplainable from now is going to still be my ongoing concern. It's my ongoing podcast, My Two Best Friends. Um, but then all my other shows are going to be these sort of limited run series, uh, including Five Minute Folklore, which is just wrapping up now. You know, Four and One More is just the Simpsons Four and One More is just starting. And when that finishes, all my shows from then on, I think I'm just going to do these limited runs of like 20 episodes, 20 episodes. I think it's going to be a more fun way to keep me engaged and doing different things. So mm. all under so the banner. So much to talk about and so many podcasts, so little time. All under the banner. So this and those other shows are going to be part of the Bob Shoy Podcast Network. Exciting. Uh, so big thanks long outro listening. of things to talk about. Yeah, thanks for listening <laughs> indeed. And uh, See you at the next one. It's Brad see Pitt. See you at the next one, Brad Pitt. And uh, what does Brad Pitt say? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. Hello, ladies. <laughs> no. <laughs> what does he say? I want to do something from like Tarantino when he's like... Uh... So until next time, bonjourno. <laughs> bonjourno. <laughs> Captain. Your Highness. Ready my ship. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.